Bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder. The cold hard truth is taking talk to the next level. Right here on Bobo 89.1 FM, Cayman's Community Radio. We are still spilling the tea and committed to being part of the change that Cayman so desperately needs. Join Sandy Hill weekdays from 7.30 a.m. for Premier Access, Cayman Voices, Truthful Thursdays, and much more. Cayman's number one talk show is now bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder, and more than talk. Getting results with hot topics, consumer reports, court exposés, and more. I've come to set the record straight. I've come to shine the light on you Let me introduce myself I am the cold heart Now, from the CMR studio in Grand Cayman Live direct it's the cold hard truth now now join the conversation on 345-936-2626 that number again is Good morning. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, folks. Hope that you guys are doing well. As you can hear, I am here. <laughs> oh my gosh, you have to forgive me oh, for this cold, but geez, I'm peace. I tell you what, Mm-mm-mm. worse than COVID. Yes. It's given me a little, a little bit of a run for my money. So that's okay. We'll not stop the show. We will continue on. Good morning to everybody. Um, how's everybody doing this morning? So let's have a look. We've got Irvlin who is locked on and live. Thank you so much, Miss Irvlin, for joining us. We have Olivia who is also here this morning. Keyman Detailing is joining us. Big shout out to our Windsor Park crew, by the way. Um, lots of them are also tuned in this morning. Um, Miss Bonnie from East End is normally here. Keyman Detailing is here as well. And of course, Wee Wee has it locked. And good morning to uh, Deania. I always feel like I'm getting this name wrong. <laughs> Listing from the UK. Hey, how are you? It's in the afternoon there in the UK. You know, we have a whole UK following folks that um, they join us every single afternoon their time as well so thank you guys so much and uh, aliano part of the windsor park crew is here this morning good morning aliano how are you and of course mr robert ebanks also has a lot here on the show so um lots going on this morning <laughs> in terms of court of course you guys can hear my voice it's still i felt like i had a better night's sleep last night but I'm kind of toggling between um, congestion and then, you know, drainage and then congestion. But last night actually wasn't too bad. I was able to, uh, 
Sleep. Yeah, relatively okay. Not as much congestion. Uh, this morning I got up a little bit earlier and did my whole Vicks thing. So now as I start to talk, of course that irritates the sinuses, right? So just the act of talking means that uh, the sinuses will naturally unclog themselves, but they do t- they do so in a very spectacular way. So yesterday in my car, I literally went through a whole box of tissues um, in the car. So I got my tissue box handy, not to worry. Good old Kleenex brand. At Luis, good morning to you. Miss Reba's here. Good morning to the beautiful Miss Reba. And by the way, Miss Reba, congratulations on your recent um, acknowledgement at the Heroes Day event. I realize that you were acknowledged then for your um, contributions to voluntary services. So congratulations there as well. And of course, Miss Reba walked out in this fantastic looking fascinator. Um, she always is in fashion, trust me. She's gonna be the one that's definitely gonna stand out with her designs. We've got Miss Darlene who is here with us this morning. And of course, Alejandra is here. So listen, when my voice is this bad, here's the key to having a successful show. Y'all gotta call in. (laughs) Help me save my voice by calling in and having lots to say. So the phone lines of course are open. 936-BOBO is the telephone number. So yesterday we had a guest in the studio. In fact, I'm gonna do um, my logo this morning with Burger King who's been celebrating their 40th anniversary. Now today, I believe is the last day to um, the last day of the celebrations to win some prizes and stuff. So I believe we have one ticket left. Um, So if you've not won yet, by all means, um, stay tuned. And uh, we're gonna give away that one scratch off ticket. So yeah, people have been winning and, you know, uh, not everybody can be a winner. So I've seen a lot of comments saying, oh man, I've been going there every day and I haven't won yet. Well, it's a game of chance like any other, um, you know, scratch off situation. So good morning to Stephen, who's also joining us from the UK as well. So Ms. Reba says that she got acknowledged for her 40 years, (coughs) sorry, (coughs) of being in Badabanu. And now she says, I can make you one of those hats. Hmm. Thank you, Miss um, Reba. We definitely need to sit down soon and have a chat. Mr. Amelia is in the house. She says, morning, honey child. Have a blessed and victorious day in the Lord. Miss Bonnie is here. Alejandra says, I don't win a thing, yo. I went all month um, buying Whoppers and chicken sandwiches. <laughs> oh, Lord. Mm-mm. So this person says, good morning. OMG, you sound bad. Uh, you need some white rum, honey, and lime. Um, yeah, I feel like I might just need the white rum at this point. <laughs> Good morning to Felicia. <clears throat> so I think it's just, um, it's it's like a head cold, but it's like uh, a spectacular one in the sense that it's just like your sinus, my sinus cavities. So um, a little bit crazy. So yeah, Whew, what a mess. All right, so this morning, there's a couple of things going on uh, in court. We're gonna be talking about some of those. 
on the topics that we have on our agenda this morning. We've got foreigners and firearms, cash for cuddles, dog attacks, and illegal beach vendors. So let's start off with the foreigners um, and firearms. So of course, if you see me just sort of very randomly drop in a commercial or or our beloved Isle Cayman, that means that I just need a moment to try to get my sinuses cleared out, which I'm going to do right now. So big shout out to Burger King. Whopping news! Burger King K-Man is turning 40 years old and celebrating by giving away over $40,000 of prizes! Just spend $4 to receive a scratch card for your chance to win thousands of food prizes, Burger King merch, and the king of prizes. 10 cash prizes of $1,982! From December 23rd till February 1st, visit your favorite BK location to win big with Burger King's 40th anniversary. Terms and conditions apply. All right, happy birthday there to uh, to Burger King. So, I feel like um, do we have a caller? Oh, Miss Amelia is gonna help me help me out this morning. She's gonna be my co-host. Hold on, Miss Amelia. Good morning, honey chill. Good morning, honey child. It looks like you did not brew my remedy. What's wrong <laughs> with you? Oh my goodness! Woo. Um, I, I took some of this night nurse medication last night and that helped me sleep. But yeah, I feel like sometimes these things just have to run their course, child. You can you can take all kind of stuff and it's just going to take its course. What's on your mind? Today? Honey, child, you steam that face. Yes. You yes. just steam that face with that remedy I give you and you will see you will be good as gold. Good as gold. I would like Cayman Islands to know and to understand this morning that the NICE program, especially for Georgetown, was a success. Georgetown especially is so beautiful with all what was done through the NICE program. And what is so sad to see that people are just continuously littering throwing litter out of their wind their car windows into the streets on the roadside um it's not nice it is not nice yeah there is a serious charge for it people will be charged for doing such things so i am begging and i am imploring to each and everyone to please refrain from dumping garbage in our streets on our roadside, yes. it don't look nice. And we that have just cleaned it, uh, it's so sad to see that they just went right back over it and just throw the garbage. And it is disheartening. It is very disheartening and nasty. So just to let everyone know, if you're caught, you will be charged. Well, this, this is a thing. Um, name and shame. Yes, good. I'm so glad that you mentioned it. By the way, um, someone just says that you have a good radio voice. <laughs> oh, thank you. Co-host co material. Um, but, <laughs> but listen, listen, Miss Amelia, this is really sad because the government literally spends millions of dollars um, on the NICE program, which gives people an opportunity who have not been working um, to get out there and to assist with the cleanup of the community, which I think is a great effort. You know, they're now doing it at least a couple times a year. And, you know, it really hardly makes much of a difference for long if, like you said, People come right after you. 
and then start to, um, you know, start to litter back the, the roadway. I mean, we saw one the other day down in your neck of the woods, Windsor Park, throwing yeah. garbage out of a car. So what on earth is wrong with these people? Well, I, I, I'm aware that DEH will, has already invest, started investigating and the plan is, is to charge that person. So everybody needs to know that they will be charged. They will be named and shamed if they're caught doing it. Penalties are behind it. So it needs to stop. All right, my dear. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. And have a blessed day. Thanks, you too. So JD is in the house and JD says, please issue an apology to the Benter driver that you incorrectly posted yesterday and almost caused him to lose his job. You really not afraid of another defamation lawsuit, Sandra? Um, no, actually, I'm not. However, um, let me be very clear about the position here, JD, because I think that this whole situation needs some clarification. We received this video of this gentleman, um, and I don't know who he is, sitting in his car after having picked up an order and um, essentially eating the food. Now, the people who videotaped it and everyone who was sending it around essentially said, listen, this guy picked up an order and he's actually eating the people's food. Do we have any way of verifying this, JD or anybody else? No, we do not. We can only look at the video. He picked up food and he was sitting there eating the food. In fact, it looks like we can play the video if you want. It looks like there was more than one bag of food and he was going through both of them before, I guess, deciding settling on which one he was going to be eating out in the car. Um, we have received, uh, he's reached out through a third party and said that it was his food. He wasn't eating out of anybody else's food. That, um, you know, that was his dinner or whatever. We, we don't have any way to verify if it was, if it wasn't, if the people who recorded it knew that he was picking up someone's order. Yeah. I mean, I think the sad thing is <coughs> the people who were probably in a position to know more than anybody else, which is why we figured, well, they should know is the actual people that he picked it up from, right? Because if somebody calls in an order to a place like Sol de Luna and they place the order, they know if that's a customer order or not, because when you come to pick it up, they're very much aware that it belongs to a customer. So, um, you know, the order's picked up and it's either a customer's order or not. The employees at restaurants, I'm there all the time when they pick up these orders. And of course, they're very, very aware that it belongs to a client. So if they can't, um, if they can't see um, that it's a customer's order or not, or if they're just being a bit, uh, you know, I don't know, troublesome towards this guy. Well, I think either situation would be quite unfortunate. Now, here's the thing. Um, setting aside this individual video, the question of whether or not this is possible or people doing this I think there's a few people who, you know, in the in the final analysis, we decide to um, give him the benefit of the doubt and to go ahead and take the video down. But I do believe that if you think for one minute that it's not possible for people to be eating out of your food, whether it's a delivery service or even restaurant employees, you would be sadly mistaken because I've shared on this program on more than one occasion 
how the very same thing happened to me. And it wasn't a Bento driver or any other driver. It was in a restaurant. The person was standing right in front of my eyes. <laughs> and I ordered tamarind drink and they sipped right out of my drink. So I don't know that people, uh, like I said, I received it countless times. I don't think that most people would have been sending it around trying to be malicious in any way. They're just saying, hey, if if this is what is happening, wow, this is kind of crazy. And um, at the end of the day, you know, one always needs to be careful. Now, someone else did mention to the credit of Bento that apparently they may actually seal their food in some way. I don't know if that's done or not. To be honest, I've actually never seen it. And I've seen both Bento and Let's Eat drivers pick up food. And I can't really speak to, because I don't really use those services, I can't speak to whether or not um, they are the ones who, or if they actually seal food so that you know if there's a distinction between a customer's order and a non-customer's order. Mm-hmm. So of course, if we got it wrong, we are not too big to apologize. And we would definitely apologize to that young man. If his employer knows for certain, and this is really easy, I don't know why his job would be jeopardized because the employer would know if at any point um, was he picking up a recent order at Sol de Luna. And if he wasn't picking up an order, then this is an open and shut case, you know, and there's no need for any further concern. However, the fact, again, that somebody was recording it and at least the people who worked where he picked up the food had a very strong suspicion that he was actually eating a customer's order. Um, I think there could be some protocols that are put in place that at the very minimum addresses the perception of that even happening. You know, I don't know these drivers, are they getting proper breaks? Because by law, they are entitled to their breaks, just like everybody else. So there shouldn't be any reason why this poor guy in the first place is having to sit in his car as a driver and take his break and eat his food and come under any suspicion. He should be able to sit inside Sol de Luna. You know, uh, to be quite frank, here's a recommendation to all drivers if you're out there driving. Take a change of shirt on every single shift. You take in your 15-minute break, take your shirt off. <coughs> Sorry. Take your shirt off um, so that you can sit down in the restaurant or wherever you pick up your food. Uh, you know, even if you're sitting in your car, you're not in uniform and sit down and have your food properly. So, like I said, we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know who the young man is. We're happy to give him the benefit of the doubt that he wasn't actually doing that, despite what the restaurant workers and others were forwarding and saying about the situation. Um, so there you have it. So this person says that um, all workers are entitled to break, but as healthcare professionals, I haven't had a decent break in a while, a decent 30-minute break in a while. But as a healthcare professional, really? Wow. Well, you know, you're entitled to your break and you should be taking your breaks. And I think that employers uh, need to be reasonable about that as well, because then that forces what this young man may have been doing, which is taking a break in a way that kind of looks a little suspicious in his car. Hmm. It's unfortunate. But um, to be very clear, JD, um, 
there were a lot of people who Miss Darlene says that she doesn't know how anyone could have drawn that conclusion that it was not his own food. But I can tell you the vast majority of people um, who were circulating it, that was the exact conclusion that they were drawing. And it doesn't mean that it's the right conclusion, but it certainly shows you in this day and age what happens when someone grabs a hold um, of, of a video. So young man, we're giving you the benefit of the doubt. You know, you said it wasn't your food. Uh, other people said it's not your food. So yes, absolutely, we apologize. Um, but I do think that, you know, you need to be taking proper breaks. And I don't know that sitting in your car, having to wolf down your food real quick and then put it back. You know, I, I think that it was the way um, in which, you know, it looked and people said, no, 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 no. That's definitely um, his, not his food. You see, he's kind of going through two bags as though he's like trying to see what's in it. Well, I suppose if he ordered more than one bag of food for himself, that might have been um, why he was doing that. But there was quite a bit of commentary um, that came from the staff. It was all in Spanish of this young man, um, again, you know, trying to eat his food. Another person mentioned that if it was a bento order, that he would have secured it in their keep warm containers, which I believe is what finally led me to believe that this is probably um, the case. And it's unfortunate that this young man is probably out there hustling really, really hard and working and um, being subjected to this sort of thing. Um, and it does look like the video was taken sort of in the middle of the day. So, you know, again, the staff at Sol de Luna certainly concluded that it was not um, his order. And like I said, I would have thought that they would be in a position more than anybody else to come to that conclusion since he's ordering the food from them. Um, so I don't know. And I mean, they, 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 they went to quite a bit of trouble to actually put this video together. So you feel like either somebody's just trying to be malicious in some way, um, which I hope isn't the case, or um, they genuinely thought that he was eating people's foods. And I, I don't know why. They would have drawn that conclusion um, if they didn't have a bit more information to go off of. So, um, Jonathan says, sounds like you have a touch of Corona, of the Rota, or is it my voodoo kicking in? <laughs> Jonathan, I'm happy to tell you that it is actually neither of those things. Uh, Dennison Timbits is in the house. Good morning to you. Says, can we all call home and that includes Cayman Brack and Little Cayman. Blessings to you all. Uh, we all stay safe now. Thank you very much for those kind words. So 936-BOBO uh, is the telephone number. So, um, you know, take take your breaks, folks. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate uh, that people feel like they're not even entitled to a proper break. You are entitled to a break by law. And I know that those bento guys, when they're delivering food, they're in such a rush to get it to the destination in a particular amount of time. Um, but, you know, they need to they need to be able to say, hey, I'm clocking off. I'm taking off right now. And, um, you know, I'm taking my 15 minutes and I'm not taking any orders. I can't pick any orders up. And, um, you know, like I said, I would I would suggest a couple changes to make it obvious that he is on his break. And I think taking the uniform off is one of the things that you can, um, you can certainly do. 
So Jonathan says it was probably the other delivery company that put the video out trying to give them a bad name. Um, and again, this is unfortunate because it wasn't the other delivery company recording this. It would have been people um, at Sol de Luna. So, hmm, interesting. Uh, what a mess, child. Is, is, are things that crazy where the competition um, would be trying to do something like that to their competitors? I mean, I hope not. My God. All right. So, young man, um, next time, enjoy your lunch. <laughs> You know, um, I mean, I don't know what to say. Sit down properly somewhere. Um, yeah. Good morning to Karen, who's also joining us from the UK. So over the weekend, we got word that someone was uh, traveling into the Cayman Islands and they were found um, to have in their possession, uh, several firearms. So of course, the immediate response to this was that I started getting a lot of messages to say, um, you know, what on earth uh, is this? Once again, a foreigner is coming to the Cayman Islands with um, unlicensed firearm. And, um, just as an aside, Alejandro says, can I ask all the all my dedicated drivers of the Cayman Islands to please use their indicators? We're not bored with uh, tele telepathy. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so no one is surprised that we continue to have people come in with firearms. I think what has people most spectacularly annoyed is the fact that literally they get away with it. I mean, I'm shocked at every single instance of a foreigner, a visitor, even, listen, the last person was a resident in this jurisdiction on Cayman Brack, and he still got away with like a fine. I'm like, how the hell? Um, let me try to remember his name now. Uh, he was a brat guy. Um, hold on. So, I mean, there does seem to be some sort of a discrepancy. People saying to me, um, can you try to, um, yes, let me get, let me get his name. People are saying, oh, can you get the judiciary of the show in order to, answer these questions about how, how it's possible. And I tell you what, it's really quite shocking, to be honest, um, because on the face of it, I believe that something else is amiss here, and I'm going to tell you what that is in just a second.
All right, folks, we do have a caller to the program. Thank you, caller, for saving my my voice for me today. Good morning. Good morning, Miss Sandra. Can I help you with your voice problem? Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. As, <laughs> as, as you said. Ah, I need um, as many co-hosts today as I can possibly get. The show, yeah, and the show must go on. We out here, we, we like it, so. Yes. Um, let me say something about the food handling situation. Um, well, first of all, Mrs. Hill, I think you covered that issue adequately. Now, I believe it's for the person's employers to have a sit down, maybe individual sit down, or you know how you all get things and the um, downloading situation, and you know, get a little prep course, some things about a list of do's and nuts. Don't some um, meaning what's appropriate and what's not good optics in the food and beverage sector, mm-hmm. and maybe even a food handling course. I think BOE is the um, the agency that puts that on mm-hmm. because that I mean I not not seen anything, but I know that that kind of thing goes on in the or used to go on used to go on. In the industry, anyway, I've seen it. Long time ago, I worked there, and I've seen it. So it's not foreign or unbelievable to me. But again, um, you know, the optics, like you, like like you said, it might not be that at all. Mm-hmm. But it's what looks appropriate and what you could derive from, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 clearly, it may have happened here. Right. But the people who, you know, bring, who has this business and bring people on board, especially if they're young people, you know, you know, young people, mm-hmm. come on. You know. yeah. there, there needs to be something done about that. That's, that don't happen in, in the Cayman Islands. I'm just here to say it does not happen. And, you know, if this is a, a little look-see at things, I hope the entire sector of food and beverage and including DOE, all of these fancy restaurants and the not so fancy, you know, the local ones around the corner need mm-hmm. to, um, yeah, this, this, this does sound good on the air. Yeah. And also, um, I'm, I'm just wondering what's happening in up there in Israel and Palestine with, you know, Mr. Blinken being there and, you know, the demolitions, they continue. That's heartrending to me. Um, just wanted to see that publicly. All right, my dear. Thank you so much. But have, have, have a good show. Yeah. And thank, thank you. you for, you know, being out there just for us again yes. this morning. Thank you so Thanks. much. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, again, I would encourage whoever owns Bento's and whoever owns Let's Eat and I don't know how many other delivery services that are out there, that you do set some protocols for how um, your staff, like, take their breaks, Right. And I think the most obvious ones would be to have him or her, um, you know, if they're on an official break, take their uniform off, you know, walk with a spare shirt. So there's no like, oh, my God, this person's at work or they're not at work because a uniform could certainly give the impression that they're at work. So have them take the uniform off. I mean, obviously, he has the right to eat in his car. It is his car if he so wishes to do so. But, you know, take your uniform off, fold it, put it in the back of the seat, put on a different shirt, go pick up your food, 
and enjoy your lunch without having people speculate, which unfortunately people are going to do. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandy. You know, I sit in here and I listen to this and um, I say, what a sad world that we're in now that we have someone everywhere that you turn, someone is ready to bring down someone, you know, that mm -hmm. um, not even sure what's going on. Yes, just, just a, you know, a, a just devouring each other. Isn't it sad? Now, you know, what about all of the good things that these drivers do? get your food to you on time and you're mm. hungry, you're lazy, whatever the case is, mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how do you call or do you, do you take a video and say, oh, Johnny boy just delivered my food on time. It was excellent. Because I, I have met some of these young men, especially that came through, you know, basketball, football that I've seen since I've back here. And they're on the hustle. Yeah. Some of them on three jobs, mm -hmm. you know, so to sit down and, and, um, Take a video of someone that you're assuming that this is what's happening yes. because there's really no proof um, based on, on, on what the video is saying is in my view. So I just think we just need to be a little kinder. And yes. I, I have found that Cayman is just like a big ocean, just swallowing up a big whale, swallowing up everything, one killing the other, you know, this shouldn't even be a topic today because we don't know the situation yeah those guys are there but they're human mm -hmm. so they gotta stop they gotta have a meal you know um so i i don't know it it's it really bothers me when i see someone is always out there ready to condemn ready to kill someone you know maybe there's mm -hmm. someone set up now maybe maybe he's doing such a good job now and maybe they got a family member that they want to put into the job it, it's so much it's so much things and 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 came on we're so small but we're so divided yeah so i just want to say you know what get get some good videos out with those yeah. guys hopping up on your step or at your desk or whatever and and bringing your meals hot to you and and appreciate them appreciate them yeah that's what i want to say they do a good okay. job i appreciate that okay i don't i don't use their service but yeah i watch them and, and and I love to see, especially some of the young guys that I know coming from far. When I ask them, how are you doing? Oh, miss, I got three jobs, you know, I do in Bento. Yes. And then I do this and I got a little baby. And you know, that's what we need to talk about. That's what we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. All right, Sandy. Thank you. Appreciate it, my dear. And uh, of course, I agree with that caller. Um, positivity is so much more needed. But, you know, <laughs> the world that we live in, and unfortunately, it's not just K-Man. Uh, the world that we live in does, does, um, does, I don't want to use the word uh, thrive, but, you know, we're all spectators and we certainly don't mind sitting down and um, having a look at uh, a situation and oftentimes jump into conclusions and the conclusions may or may not be correct. Now, you know, this, this situation, which we are very much a part of, in terms of um, social media, is a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, it's it's the way that we get a lot of our information, a lot of our leads and stories is from people out in the community. And I, for one, and the vast majority of instances, I'm very, very glad that people have access to videos on their phones that they can record someone. They have access to cameras and other stuff because I tell you what, 
we have assisted more than we've certainly gotten it wrong. And I think generally speaking, this is applicable in the wider community. Um, that, you know, the vast majority of people are not nasty people. They're not out there trying to take a job from someone who's on the grind on the hustle and trying to work really, really hard. But to the contrary, we're trying to hold people accountable. And so, you know, a lot of times people are sending us stuff because they feel like there's no other real accountability out there. They can't complain to companies often um, and they're going to respond in the most appropriate way. And so, you know, they, they spread it amongst each other with hopes of it indeed getting a wider audience for people to then question it. But as the caller and JD have rightfully pointed out in this instance, we need to give this young man the benefit of the doubt because there's some indicators here that what this appears to be is probably not actually the situation at all. But think about every single day that we get a, um, a photo of someone parked in a handicapped spot as we did yesterday over by Regatta. We got Regatta? Yeah. Um, this person not only was parked in a handicapped spot and stayed there, but the person was able to say that when they came out from the water company, they saw a person who was actually handicapped two spots over trying to get out of their car while this person who's driving a BMW with no handicap sticker, um, you know, are actually um, <laughs> parked where they shouldn't be parked. So in 99% of the cases, I must tell you that the people who are taking photos and sending stuff are actually doing a bit of a citizen policing and they're doing a very, very good job. They're making observations, whether it's a hit and run in the parking lot or whatever, they're capturing information in moments that we ordinarily would never have an, uh, a degree of insight to. Yes, do sometimes innocent people get caught up in the everybody's trying to be a police or everybody's trying to be a detective and they don't always get it right? Absolutely. And to the caller's last point, I do want to say this as well, because I know a lot of people tend to harp on the um, the negative stories, right? As what tends to draw a lot of attention. But it has actually been my personal observation that the stories and the posts, even on our platform that gets the most views and the most attention are the positive ones. You know, we had the young man from Kirk uh, Market the other day who was highlighted um, by someone who is, you know, in the handicap or special needs community for really going above and beyond the call of duty um, to assist them or offering assistance with, you know, making their way around and so on. That post, the last time I had a look at it, had over two and a half thousand people. And I think it reached well over 50,000 people who actually liked it. Um, hundreds commented and gave him a positive shout out. Bobo? Yes. Um, so I think on the face of it, the people I think that the negative stuff tends to gain more traction. As someone who actually sees the numbers at the back end, I can tell you that the positive posts are always the ones that people appreciate the most. Uh, caller, good morning. Good morning again. Yes, ma'am. Okay, Mrs. Hill, I don't see where you did anything wrong. Um, I mean, somebody... listen, it is a judgment call. And sometimes, you know, we're happy to say that there are times that we do get it wrong. And even if we get it wrong, if we get it right 99% of the time, at the end of the day, that 1% still matters. So I'm, I will take accountability for even the 1%.
Yeah, but um, we don't need to be so hard on the situation either. Yeah. It was sent to you. That's what you do. And if if it was proven that this thing was happening, wouldn't we all want to be, um, you know, want to have that confidence that when we spend our money for the little service that young people mostly benefit from as a little side hustle, yes. But would we want to be in a better position to say, well, you know, this, that, or the next? So I think even if, even if the, it's not quite like that, you have apologized. And I think everybody would in this, in this country would apologize to the young person. And, um, you know, I think the industry itself needs to, like you said, like you suggested, in, you know, get things a little more straight than, than, than people that maybe with all the best intentions in the world, did get it wrong. Yeah. But as, 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 as a person who would order food and have it delivered, I wouldn't want the thought in my mind that the, the delivery people will be of the caliber that so-and-so would go on, you know. So this, this I think, is, is all for community, all for community. And the, I don't see where it, you know, like, like, you know, no, the people need, the people who are in this industry as proprietors, employers, need to do a little bit more to help the, the customer have the confidence and have the young people know what is um, appropriate just with the optics. I use the word optics because I didn't pass any judgment, but I use the word optics just for the optics. And I find that you are heading down that road as well by making a suggestion, you know, take off your uniform, take your break, you know, get it right, so on and so forth. So, you know. I don't think anybody is wishing anybody ill in, in, in this situation, but it's something that needs to be thought of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so uh, someone said um, that same young man delivered food to my house and saw the sign in the front door that says, did you, did you bring wine or coffee? My wife signed laughing out loud. He said, next time I come, I will bring it. Thought it was friendly talk, you know, a month later that he was the delivery guy again. He went to Blowstone and brought and brought a coffee chai latte to deliver. And he said, remember, I promised out of his own pocket. So uh, someone highlighting some positivity about this particular young man. So thank you very much to the listener uh, for sharing that. Because again, without a doubt, uh, you know, these are the positive stories that we need to hear. And more importantly, we need to hear it, but also his employer needs to hear it. So by all means, um, you know, give the employer a shout out. So Curtis is in the house today, joining us from Cayman Brack. Curtis says, I just got through reading the JA of the day. And for those of you who don't know what that stands for, that's your jackass of the day. It's something that we've been doing now for a couple of years. And really it goes to someone who does something that is egregious to the community, whether it's parking in handicapped spots, whether generally speaking, it's just bad parking. Um, And Curtis says that he was told that um, the person that the car, the BMW, that the person does have the right sticker, but it couldn't be seen because of the sun visor. 
And he says, like I said, we need to make sure we get the right information out. Imagine how this person feels this morning. Well, Curtis, I can assure you that that is very, very easy to verify. Um, now, the individual who sent it in um, would have had the benefit of, as you can see, they set the photo from multiple angles. So they set a side photo as well as the front photo. So they didn't just send a front photo to their credit, right? They actually sent their side photo. And I can't obviously give the name of the individual who sent this in, but this person is a very keen individual who would have paid attention from the side angle. And I'm gonna show you guys the side angle. Um, although he might have taken it from a little bit further back, it would have been visible if this person actually had, because he's trying to capture the car, right? To show that yes, it's in the handicapped spot. <coughs> it would have been obvious behind the visor if this person actually had a handicap sticker or not. So let me talk about this issue of people parking in handicap spots because this continues to be a very, very problematic um, issue with people doing it all the time. And I can tell you the vast majority of people who are doing it are taking advantage of the handicap spot without the legal permission, the legal uh, decal to be able to park there. What we have started doing in 2023 is not just posting those individuals on social media, but we're actually sending that information to the RCIPS. So anyone who sends us a photo, one of the reasons why we said in the past, make sure that the sticker isn't there. Send us multiple photos back front. Make sure the license plate is absolutely clear. Make sure where the decal should be is absolutely clear. Clearly showing them in a marked handicap spot because we are now forwarding that information to the RCIPS in order for them to do their job. So because says the decal has to be visible. We forward it to the RCIPS. The RCIPS needs to know the time of the incident, the location of the incident, because in a lot of instances, they're actually cross-referencing it against any CCTV camera footage that's actually available. So they're not going to just take our word for it. Obviously, they're going to check if that licensed vehicle has a handicap decal, decal issued to it or not. They will also, in the instance of one young man who reported a road situation a couple of days ago by the King Sports Center, they went and had a look at the security footage, the actual cameras as well, to see if they could see the accusation of road rage. So, you know, we have decided that we're going to step it up in order to support the blue spots and support the community members who need and utilize that blue spot. And we're sending the information onto the, onto the RCAPS, asking them to do their job. And they have been more than happy to do so. In fact, I'm dealing with one uh, or two officers in particular. And then they come back and they report to us about whether or not it actually led to anything being done. So don't worry, Curtis. In short order, we'll be able to confirm if that BMW driver actually did indeed have a handicap spot. But to Ms. Soka's point, it's supposed to be visible. So I noticed the sun visor, but there's actually no reason why um, the handicap sticker would not or should not be visible. And um, hold on one second. In front of the, um, the sun visor, 
right? You see the middle section right there. If they had a handicap sticker, that's exactly where it would fall. So I don't know why it would be hidden, but this is the thing. People come up with all sorts of excuses. Now you tell me how many times have we put up people who parked in handicap spots who did not have a handicap sticker that actually had a handicap sticker. I could probably think of maybe one instance that it might've happened. Yeah. Every single day. Now I want to make a recommendation to you guys. In fact, there is an app. If you have a smartphone, I'm going to tell you about this. There's actually an app on your phone. I use it that allows you to take a photo and it gives you the geographical location and the, um, I'm going to show you here in a second. Let me just take a picture here and I'm going to show, show this to you guys. It gives you the geographical location as well as the, um, as the timestamp. Because like I said, when you're sending this information to the RCIPS, they are requesting additional information, which is, I think that's great. They're trying to certainly do their job as thoroughly as possible, right? Because of course we give a description, oh, there's a female parked in there, whatever. And then they find out that, oh, you know, the owner of the car isn't a woman at all, it's her husband. The husband is the one who's gonna get the ticket, I can assure you. So let me just, um, one second here, I wanna show you guys this photo. Uh, all right, so this is an app that you can download on your smartphone that will make your life so much easier when you need to actually produce evidence of something that's going on. So I literally just took this screenshot with my phone of the, the computer screen. You see where it says up at the top, January 31st, 2023, 8.17 and 36 seconds AM, Woodland Drive, Northside, well, I don't live in Northside, the Cayman Islands. So folks, it has a geo-tracking feature actually in the app itself. The name of the app, let me give it to you. Go download it. It's called, um, hold on, hold on, what's it called again? It's called Timestamp, hold on. Oh, of course, when you open it, it doesn't give you the name, right? Um, <coughs> it's called Time Timestamp Camera, looks like. And uh, again, it gives you that feature of being able to geolocate the actual um, photo that you've just taken with one click. So you take the photo and all of that information actually shows up um, on the photo. So, you know, if I, if I come across a handicapped spot now, what I do is I actually send that to um, the RCIPS. So I don't have to be like, oh yes, it was at this location, that location. And then the person's denying that they were ever at that location. Yeah. So um, easy peasy solves a lot of problems, but it, it's unfortunate that people on a regular basis abuse the blue spots and that this even has to be a thing. We shouldn't have to be policing the blue spots. <coughs> oh my gosh, hold on. Time for another commercial break, hold on. <coughs> oh my goodness. Renewables are very important to CUC. The environment's gonna benefit, the customers are gonna benefit. It is the future. It's not a matter of if it's coming, it's when. We can't stop. We do need the change. 
really, really excited to talk about how we're going to get a lot of renewable energy on the grid. We have been working on bringing renewable energy to Grand Cayman for many years now and produced our integrated resource plan back in 2016. Looking at how we can most effectively not only get renewable energy but reduce the CO2 impact of CUC's operations, you hear the comments or the misnomers that you know, CUC is married to diesel and quite frankly the, the, there couldn't be anything that's further from the truth. We know that renewable energy is the right thing to do. There's a lot of value by using renewable energy, battery energy storage within your integrated grid. A, a lot of time has to be put together to do your research, understand what it is that you're wanting to put out there. CUC has the ability to, to lead that transition, right? And, and be the first for not only Cayman, but the region. It's gonna be so worth it. It's what I come to work for every single day to know what we're working on is gonna set the country up for success. It's gonna be a foundational element of, of the economy. Bringing the public along with us is one of the key things to make a success out of it. Just to make sure that we're doing our part to reach those United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Our team has been equipped, uh, trained, developed. Uh, if we get a go ahead tomorrow, we start. And I, I see it in, in the future, it's, and it's not that far away. It could be as little as five or six years away where we'll have times of the day where we are 100% renewable. All right, folks. <laughs> um, so, yes, you know, I think that in most cases, um, people actually do get it right. Uh, of course, nobody's perfect. No platform is perfect. And we certainly don't um, say that we are in any way, shape or form. Someone is asking, why don't people take photos of people littering? I see the litter, but I don't see the person littering. <laughs> I think littering can be a little bit tricky. And um, there are times that we do get them. And when we get them, we put them up. So we've had videos, folks, just in December that we put up of people littering after the bulk cleanup. And as a result of that, the RCIPS issued a statement about stop littering, please. And also that they were going to prosecute those individuals. They were going to find them or whatever. You know, there's not much that can be done about littering from a legislative perspective. It's only like a $500 fine. I think our legislators need to increase that fine significantly um, because, you know, our environment matters. And so we have, we have received them. We received one just last week, which we played on the show with the person driving in Windsor Park and throwing garbage right out the window with not a concern in the world. Uh, it's unfortunate that people can drive around. I'll play it again for the benefit of those who missed it but the people can drive around in our communities and think that it's a-okay. There it is. There they are. Driving along in an Audi. Take something out of the car. And there it is. Throw it right in the bushes. Thankfully, this person had enough sense to grab the license plate, 153494, right in Windsor Park. As Miss... Um, as Miss... Um, Romelia said this morning, you know, this is right in the middle of them doing a government-sponsored, nice program community cleanup, which literally cost the government millions of dollars. And people come right after the cleanup and throwing garbage in the bushes, throwing garbage on the roadways. 
And so, you know, if you catch it, and by the way, that app that I was just telling you about, this camera app, does indeed have a video feature as well, so that you can you can do that, um, you know, and so it'll record as well as take still photos. So Ms. Morna says, I agree. I totally agree with the caller. We just need to put people, we just like to put people down instead of lifting people up, sad. <clears throat> um, and again, I don't think that that's the vast majority of people. I mean, we receive messages all the time. There was the one the other day from the mother talking about her, her child is a bagger at the grocery store and is saving money to pay for their own orthodontic treatment. And again, you know, that post got an enormous amount of support. There were actually people who came forward who said, I would like to help that parent and that young person pay for their treatments. And so... Oh God. And they were even offering that type of assistance. Um, so, you know, I think it's Alice in the comment that says, um, I realized the car apparently CMR needs to get the full story before posting because she has a handicap sign. She has rights to use any handicap space that's available. Well, show us where the sign is visible. You can have a, listen, the law is very, very clear. You can have access to handicap sticker, but if you do not put it where it's supposed to be, which is where it should be extremely visible, then um, at the end of the day, you're still not following the law. And if people, you know, as a result of that, take a photo of you and post it up, well, <laughs> honestly, what do you expect? Now, let me ask a question. Are the handicap decals not stuck on the mirror itself? So even if a sun visor is there, because um, I know we've obviously changed the registration stickers now. Have the sun, let me ask somebody who would know, who would know this actually. Has the um, handicap decals changed in any way and how are they placed? I mean, I'm going to ask this question. Okay. Got someone here who is definitely in the know who's going to be answering that for us. Um, Catherine says, um, personally, I would have blocked in that person using the handicap spot, always getting myself in trouble speaking to people about using those blue spots. Again, Soka says that it should be visible. Um, Catherine says, what classifies handicap? So many people, mostly overweight ones, are using these spots. Um, again, Catherine, we can only assume that they've gone through whatever the requirements are to obtain it from the uh, DVDL, which is a licensing department. And I believe they actually need a doctor's certification to support or letter to support the fact that, um, that the, um, the decal is required. So Anthony says, Miss Sandy, being the ever-present trooper, <laughs> hope your voice isn't gone for too long. Thank you, Anthony. And Miss Darlene says, as for the blue badge issues, should have the disabled person's photo. People use other people's badges here. Hmm. Good morning, caller. Good morning. Um, I was just wondering, perhaps this is a question that you can ask mm -hmm. and follow up with. 
is there any way possible for them to have better a better way to identify like a handicap license plate for instance because um mm-hmm. i know someone who is handicapped and they have to have the the little um handicap sticker or whatever mm-hmm. you call it and they they come like I, I don't know if it's changed but they used to come like it's like a piece of paper and they get destroyed unless you take it upon yourself to laminate it. And then each time you get a new one, you have to pay for it. And so I can see where maybe someone, it, it, it tore off and they couldn't hang it mm. on the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying they shouldn't still make an effort to make it visible because you can find ways. But in their defense, those little, if they're the same as they used to be, they're, they're very not very durable. Yeah. yeah. So maybe BBDL or someone could do a uh, something a, a better way to I don't know maybe a, a handicap like mm-hmm. I I don't know I'm just throwing something out there but yeah in their defense I can yeah that. we'll certainly um, inquire about that um thank you for those suggestions thank you all right my dear so um yeah I mean I I think that that's a, a great uh suggestion and some good questions. Um, I'm afraid that I don't know very much about it. I was just asking someone who I know has one as well, um, sort of what they look like these days. And they say that thankfully they no longer need it. Um, do they come with a renewal or expiration date? I don't even know. <laughs> uh, it'd be great to have some answers from, um, DVDL. I'm just trying to have a look at their, um, website to see if we can find any useful information as it relates to the handicap decals. But yeah, they, they should be um, even license plate specific, you know, because are you registering it for a particular car or is it just an individual that can, you know, so this person says DVDL does issue a disabled license plate for persons who are permanently disabled. So that's good to know, because I was kind of just wondering that myself. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, Sonny. Um, you know, let's take our let's take our mind off of the some of the bad drivers here, and let's talk about some of the the bad pedestrians as well, because mm-hmm. we got some of them that they be on their phone like this morning. I would have knocked down one of them, <laughs> because I'm entering in a, a a um a place. And this person on his phone just like literally cluelessly walks across the road when I'm trying to turn in. And I'm like, I mean, I see him, but then he's like telling me to go out like, no man, go. Because if I, if I move, you gonna move too. You know, like we have some people that just unaware of their surroundings sometimes. And they also do it on the pedestrian crosses. Some of them, they don't even look right or left. I'm wondering if they went to school and, and you know, like <laughs> you just literally walk across, don't even press the button. And that puts me in a panic mode where I have to literally slam my brakes just so that I can respond to their their clueless reaction. They don't even understand that mm-hmm. we don't have to stop if they don't press the button, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to stop. They just literally walk across. And then, you know, another one that is really bad, when before you get to um, Lone Star, the pedestrian cross where the hotel have the bridge over, um, over overhanging the, 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 um, the road. I don't know why they don't use that anymore, but and my problem, but these people literally, they don't even use the pedestrian cross. They literally just walks right across the road like it's okay. Like we are obligated to have to slow down for them. 
we, wow. we have to talk to some of Christians as well when we see them because they mightn't be on the road driving mm-hmm. around like us and, and on the radio listening to your talk show, but they have friends that listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks very much, Carla. Appreciate it. Right. We're playing All chicken right. around the place. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what happened to the chicken when he crossed the street and didn't look both ways? Um. All right. So we're getting some clarification this morning from our uh, listeners to the program. So thank you guys so much. Like I said, you guys are like um, my little co-hosts giving me information. So one person says um, the DVDL does issue a disabled license plate for persons who are permanently disabled. And the disabled decal is issued to a person who has a disability, but these have an expiration date. Interesting. So from someone who's definitely in the know, at DVDL, they said the plates are for vehicles who transport disabled individuals and temporary disabled tags are given to people who are temporarily disabled. The period of time is determined by a doctor. So in other words, they get a, a doctor's thing. But um, that's interesting because, I mean, I've never seen one up close, to be quite frank and honest, to see what the expiration date is on it. And most people, if you just stick it there, nobody's going to go and see like, oh, well, let's see now if it's actually expired. So no one's checking expiration dates. So hopefully no one is abusing the expiration date on uh, these decals. Um, So again, you've got permanent plates that are available for vehicles that transport disabled individuals. And then you have temporary disabled tags. Um, So it can be given to either the person or the car in both of those instances. Um, so um, someone says, someone was asking about, you know, that they've seen the license plates, but what happens if they don't have their own car, which is why I think that they have those stickers and this person confirms that if you don't have your own vehicle, that's why you get, you don't get a license plate, you actually get a decal with their name on it and they must be the person using it. This person also goes on to say that in Florida, the DMV issues disabled parking permits in the same fashion of Cayman that hangs from the rear view mirror. Uh-huh. And it has the person's driver's license number printed on it to ensure that they're not sharing, there's no sharing of decals. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a bit of education this morning on um on blue spots and you know uh, interestingly enough the blue spot people um have reached out to us before talking about especially during the holidays coming on the program because they find that a lot of people abuse these spots horrendously especially during the holidays and it's really really unfortunate because i think it's a culture really of disrespect for people um, who just don't have any respect for the blue spot. To be quite frank and honest, you know, I have seen even in the U.S., I go to Walmart, Target, whatever, those handicapped spots are empty. You don't find very many people as big as the population is in the U.S. actually abusing those handicapped spots. Mind you, in the U.S., they've got the handicapped spots and they also have spots for maternity, people who are like really, really pregnant and might not be able to walk far. They have senior spots. They have much bigger parking spots so they can dedicate 
um, I guess, and allocate more of those spots for very, very specific things. But, you know, I notice all the time that when you go to Walmart, those first couple spots, honey child, they'd be empty. People are not really taking advantage of those. But yet here in Cayman, it seems to be a regular thing. Gabby, good morning. Uh, Gabby says, imagine people like that lived in places like Singapore, where you go to jail for just spitting gum on the ground. Talking about people who are littering. Yeah. Um, the person who sent in the photo, uh, Curtis, has responded. And they have said that, um, let me just see here. They have said that none was displayed or was seen on the dash. That sticker needs to be displayed and clearly seen or special license plates with stickers embedded in them. It happens all the time at Republic's Foster's Food Fair in West Bay. A total disregard for the differently abled. This person is paying attention. Um, this person says they're disabled tags that are permanent because a disabled individual does not own a vehicle and may be transported by different vehicles at different times. Our tags can be used by those individuals if they travel to the U.S. Oh, really? Well, there you go. Learn something new every single day. So they can actually take their tags with them when they travel abroad. I never knew that. Huh. Thanks for the info. This is good to know. Um, and someone, of course, is sharing. Thank you to this listener. Is sharing what a disabled tag. To be honest, I've never, I've never seen one up close. Uh, I guess praise the Lord that I've never needed one personally. But this person is also sharing with us exactly what it looks like. Oops. So there it is. Uh -huh. So you see the size of this decal, Curtis. There's no reason why that would not have been visible from a side window or a front window, even if that sun visor was up. I mean, let's just be honest here, right? In fact, um, the sun visor would push that up towards the window, um, as opposed to it being behind the sun visor, which wouldn't make any sense if you were a handicapped person that also had common sense. I'm just saying, we'd be looking for excuses for these people, and I don't know. Cayman Detailing, good morning. Says, good morning, Sandra. There's a blue BMW that parks on West Bay Road. The hole where the human excrement came from that took those pictures and sent them to you. I want to know. Huh? The hole where the human excrement came from that took those pictures and sent them to you. I want them to know this is not a toilet where they should be in. I think it's personal and that human ways should mind their own business. However, Sandra, they should not bring... They should not be using you for their personal agenda. That car has been parking there for two years. Also, there's actually a handicap sticker in the window. This is no way for, and then it says dot, dot, dot. So to be very clear, um, caller, I actually know the individual who sent the picture in, and I can tell you that there is, <laughs> I mean, the language here of, of how you're describing this person is a bit strong. There is zero malice on this person's part. If they didn't see it, and if it's not visible, as they have said, the photos don't show that it's visible, um, then I think that that's problematic. 
you know, even if that person is a disabled uh, driver and they're supposed to have it, what's the point of having it if it's not visible to people, right? And so don't shoot the person who's saying it's not visible. I don't see it. I don't see it from multiple angles because it should be that visible. And there's zero reason why um, a decal, a, a sun visor should be hiding it. I mean, I'm just saying it's not like a sun visor, you know, is covering the entire mirror. You simply put the decal in front of the sun visor and that's it. So I don't know. All right. Um, Lavana says, I got my dad's laminated. Still no excuse. Good morning, Dacia. How are you? Um, Morna says, bright colors. Soka says, then display it on the dash. Common sense. And yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Even if you don't hook it on that thing, you can literally slide it on the front of the dashboard. Let's have a look at the picture again. You could slide it right in the front there in front of the visor. So if this person's actually a handicapped person, I'm, I'm afraid to say that they need to utilize a little bit more common sense in how they are displaying their sticker. And this is one that I will defend from the perspective that there are way too many people who are actually um, abusing the handicap spots. And people are not sending this out of malice. They're sending this out of, you know what? Too many people are doing it. And they see it, as this person just said, they see it at Foster's Food Fair in West Bay all the time. All right. Thank you, Dion. Um, <coughs> sorry, Miss Olive agrees with that last caller about pedestrians. You know, pedestrians have a responsibility as well, folks. Uh, Jonathan says, enough of the handicap stickers. Let's get on to the firearm stories. All right, let's move on. I agree. Jim says, you sound like a whiskey tenor this morning. <laughs> I think I need whiskey this morning is what it is. All right, folks, let us move on. Um, if you have a handicap um, sticker, decal, license plate, folks, make sure that it is properly um, displayed. You know, at the end of the day, people out there are only concerned about people who actually need them. <laughs> Johan says, not going to lie, you sound like a trans female trying to go to the doctor. <laughs> trying to go to the doctor. <laughs> Johan, try and behave yourself. Lord Jesus, this boy not got no behavior. No behavior at all. Mm -mm -mm. Anyway, all right, uh, let's get it. Maybe they need more than one sticker. They need one in the front and one in the back. All right. Foreigners with firearms. What can I say? Hot mess. Um, listen, over the weekend, like I said, a number of people reached out and they said, Sandy, this guy is going to get a, a slap on the wrist. As usual, nothing's going to happen to him. And you know what? I actually have to agree. <laughs> I'm not expecting much of anything, unfortunately, because history has taught me that if you are a foreigner, even a foreigner that is quote unquote resident in Cayman, you are not going to get the 10 year minimum or um, 10 year mandatory or the seven year mandatory. So let's break it down. And I'll give you some examples and exactly why we say that and why I believe that. So good morning, Ms. Care uh, Carlington. Um, Mr. Carlington, it looks like, who's joining us from Jamaica this morning as well. 
So let me take um, just another quick break and then we'll, we'll get into this one. Crichton Properties is one of Cayman's most trusted real estate companies for over 50 years. We offer a diverse selection of property listings and help our clients navigate the world of buying or selling their properties with confidence. Crichton is a name you can trust with our excellent customer service and family-friendly touch. Contact us today to list your home, land, or condo for sale by calling 949-5250 or email info at crichtonproperties.com. Crichton Properties, a trusted Cereba member. Recover personal injury attorneys, helping injured people get what they deserve. Did you know that insurance companies have lawyers that represent their interests? Before signing and accepting any settlement, know your rights. Call us today for a free consultation at 924-9999. That's 924-9999. Recover. Your personal injury attorneys are on standby to assist. So the last individual, uh, to my recollection, who fell into this category was a gentleman by the name of David Dean Meadows, 52 years old, American businessman. Remember, he was the one who, um, which I was quite shocked at, had quite an arsenal. <laughs> I want to use that term kind of carefully because, of course, by American standards, it probably wasn't an arsenal at all. But he had quite a number of firearms um, in his possession at his residence. Now, um, he was charged in... Uh, give me one second here. So he was charged back in, um, oh gosh, this was a couple of years ago. Let me just get the dates here. Yes. So he was charged with possession of an unlicensed firearm in Cayman Brack back in 2017. He actually absconded and left the jurisdiction. So let me refresh your memory about this case. David Dean Meadows, 52 years old, back in 2017, was charged after customs officers opened a container of goods at a building site and found 240 rounds of 9mm ammunition. After the discovery and subsequent interview, officers actually went onto his um, temporary residence because he was uh, living in Cayman Brack, but actually building a home in Cayman Brack. And so this container of stuff had come in for the building of his home. So um, that's quite a substantial amount of ammunition, I believe. I mean, I wouldn't sneeze at 240 rounds of anything. So 240 rounds of nine millimeter ammunition. Then they went in and they found a Glock nine millimeter handgun, Smith and Weston uh, BB gun and uh, BBs were also recovered. Hmm. He appeared in summary court in July of 2017, uh, granted bail. Now, I'm not saying that some Caymanians who are arrested for firearm-related offenses are not granted bail because they are. That's not my point of contention, and that's not the point of contention for most people. But the eventual outcome of the situation, so they put a lien on his multi-million dollar house in Cayman Brack, allowed him to not only get bail, but to have his bail varied, right? so that he could travel to Florida, hear this BS, so that he could travel to Florida to safeguard his family 
and property there ahead of Hurricane Irma. And that was issued by Justice, I think she was acting Justice Marlene Carter at the time. And guess what? He didn't come back. Yeah. He was supposed to return from his travels in, on September the 19th of that year, um, returning on the 17th, be refitted but with the electronic device by the 20th. So bail was granted under what they thought was very strict conditions. Honey, child, please. Absolutely ridiculous. And he was a no-show. He absconded. He did not show. Okay. Um, so in light of all of that, the eventual outcome of this situation is that Meadows, um, so he failed to appear in 2018. I think he must have been allowed to travel another time again, because they're going to ease you into believing that they're an honest person. And then he failed to not show up. Yeah. So again, Caymanians don't get that luxury when you're facing these types of offenses. So they had his Brack property. Um, they had a charge in the property for $200,000. They increased it for $400,000. But tell me something. <laughs> what is the government going to do with Brack property that's unfinished? Oh, he's building his multi-million dollar house was what his attorney said. Well, the damn thing not built yet. Okay, so it's not worth no millions of dollars. So he had brought property in three Caymanians, signed as a surety for total sum of $23,000. Poor them. I bet you they probably wouldn't have signed for a Caymanian. Anyway, um, yep, so eventually he, he absconded. And then they had the trial. I'm trying to remember if they had it in absentia. Um, oh, somebody said that his house is now completed and listed for sale. <laughs> what a hot mess. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, he got off with a slap on the wrist. Let me just have a look at the judicial website to remember exactly what the judge said. So here's, here's what happens, right? Judges have the ability, even in this law, that has a mandatory sentence. So the law actually says mandatory seven years if you plead guilty and you're found in possession of a firearm, ammunition, whatever. Um, 10 years, if you plead not guilty and you make them go to trial and you're actually found guilty, okay? However, there are there is a, an out clause, if you will, that allows you to argue exceptional circumstances. Now, there have been Caymanians who have tried to use this as part of their defense. And I can tell you that it has never worked. I'm thinking of the one guy. There's a young man. I can't quite remember his um, name right now. He's a Powell. Worked for CUC. Had never been any, in any problems with the law. He got caught with a firearm. And there was some story about, um, oh, gosh, I can't even remember. He's, his family's some breakers. I can't remember exactly what his what his excuse was, but they were trying to argue exceptional circumstances. Of course, the court said, nope, you're going to jail for seven years. I think in the end, he ended up pleading guilty that yes, he had the firearm, but here were the extenuating circumstances. They still pushed him up the river for the seven years, right? 
I cannot think, and trust me, I stand to be corrected. I invite anyone, call into the program, WhatsApp me, correct me. But I cannot recall ever seeing an instance where a foreigner has actually received that type of a sentence. They come in with firearms, um, suitcases, uh, they come on cruise ships, they come on airplanes, whatever. And to the best of my recollection, not a single one has ever, and when I say ever, I do mean ever, yeah, had a sentence. They've, they've not spent any time in jail. <clears throat> so I cannot help but wonder, um, what's the situation here? Let me see if I can find uh, this judgment of Meadows. Mm -hmm. Let me see. Um, to see what the judge said, because it, I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely shocking, to be honest. Uh, when was this? Hmm. A register shirt. So this would have been a judgment register. This is criminal court, definitely grand court. Oh God, this website needs a better way of, of searching for these things because now you have to go through page by page. I want to say the judgment came in, was it last year or the year before? All right, give me a second here. Because I think that... <clears throat> At some point, you have got to start, um, this was 2021, at that point he was 55 years old, you've got to start reading the actual judgments to see what it is that these judges are thinking and what they say in relation to this. Of course, he's a millionaire, you know, um, absconded in 2019, ran off and uh, failed to appear in grand court back in May of 2019. And still, quite frankly, had his million-dollar business in Florida. And, um, you know, he'll be perfectly fine. So let me see if I can put my hands on the judgment. But in any event, um, he got off with a slap on the wrist. Mm -mm -mm. It's shocking. Because I can tell you, you know, someone said to me this morning, I was kind of picking the mouth of someone in, in the judiciary, and they said, well, the logic is, this person is not going to be coming here as a gangbanger to commit robberies or do this or do that. I'm like, listen, 240 rounds of ammunition. You don't have no clue what this person's intentions were and what they might possibly be doing. And there's no way that the judiciary should be speculating about that sort of stuff. Is he any less dangerous than the kid from down Dog City or Goat Yard in West Bay? I don't know that. And just because he's a millionaire, don't mean that I'm going to give him a pass either. Look at the news, folks, <clears throat> every single day in the United States of America. My God, millionaires, business people, senior citizens, teenagers, they all go crazy and shoot up the place and kill another mass murder. How many have they got for the year? Must be up to 20 by now. I mean, let's be honest here. That is kind of the American way, right? And I've always kind of felt, now call me a bit suspicious here, but I've always felt like maybe they're testing the waters. Maybe they're seeing how much they can get away with, 
how much ammunition they could bring in. And then go, oops, I forgot to unpack my luggage. Remember there was the one lady, now this was a really sad case because this particular woman who had some kind of political ties and whatever end up committing suicide when the DPP's office decided to retry her. Do y'all remember this one? I want to say this was 2019, maybe. Uh, Let me see if I can find this one. But anyway, she was charged a firearm offense. It was a hung jury. And uh, here she is, 2019. Uh, Carol Ann McNeil Skoropan, 68 years old. Um, The DPP's office said, hold on a second. Uh, hung jury, but they were not done. They're like, no, 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 no. We're going to charge her again. Well, my dear, she couldn't take the pressure. She ended up taking her own life, which is so sad. And it does make me wonder, though. Here's a story about this in case you forgot. Um, she committed suicide with a gun. Go figure. I tell you, Americans, right? Uh, why would she uh, do such a thing? when she claims that it was just a mix up with her suitcase. And apparently Americans travel with firearms in their suitcases and don't bother to unpack the ammunition in the firearm. (coughs) I mean, the laws in the US seem to be so particularly slack that maybe I should not be surprised by this, but if I'm gonna just throw a, um, a gun in my luggage, when you go back home, You don't take the gun out. The gun is not secured in any proper way, shape, or form, like in a case or, you know, I I honestly don't quite understand it. Because even within the U.S., when you're traveling, are you not required to, number one, disclose that you have a firearm if you're getting on an airplane, if you're going through an airport, and to actually have it in a proper case? Um, And I would think you don't just throw it in your suitcase, do you? Do you just throw it in your suitcase or do you carry it on your person? And then you do the proper declarations um, to the authorities, uh, you know, um, the security officers and so on. It, it does not appear to me that uh, there's equal justice as this relates from the judiciary. And I don't say that lightly because by and large, I believe that in the vast majority of cases, especially when it's judge alone, that the judiciary gets it right. However, I think when it comes to these firearm offenses with foreigners with firearms, that they get it completely wrong. So let me see if this was 2021. Uh, I'm going to go back in time and see if I can find. um, uh, Let me see if I can find this. So her story was that she had a piece of lost baggage um, that contained the handgun. And somehow there was communication that was sent to her by mistake by Delta Airline. And so her defense was that um, she was telling them to send it to a friend in Florida and they ended up sending um, the baggage to her here in the Cayman Islands. However, uh, she's, she was a certified public accountant. 
And she was part of the Wisconsin Republic Party. And I think she'd had some position with um, politically in the U.S. as well. You know, the prosecution here claimed that she directed them to actually send the bag to her, knowing the contents of the bag. So she ended up committing suicide, which is um, quite sad. So somebody is reminding me of the Caymanian's name. They said it was Kirby Powell. Now, you know, by all accounts, Kirby had never had any sort of um, record and, um, you know, had had a solid job at CUC for many years, had been an upstanding member of the community. And, you know, there was some story, I can't quite remember exactly what his defense was, but there was some story about why he even had this firearm and whatever. And they were like, nope, sorry, that's not extenuating circumstances or exceptional circumstances. So I want to know what are exceptional circumstances? Because I I need to know. I'm like, what 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 justifies an exceptional circumstance? Right? So um, I'm trying to see if I can find this judgment. Because I do know that um, the judgment was made and in typical fashion, he got away with nothing. So he was permitted to, to join in by Zoom link from Florida. So he never did come back to the jurisdiction, by the way. Absconded on his bail. And um, he was sentenced. Let me just see what his sentence. Um, so he, he ended up in the end pleading guilty. He was facing five charges, right? Now, here's what the prosecution did. They allowed him, so he admitted to the importation and possession of the handgun, and the other charges had remained in dispute. So the prosecution allowed the charges in relation to the BB gun, the importation of the ammunition to remain on his file as he accepted his guilty plea for the illegal possession, um, as they accepted, sorry, his legal plea for the illegal possession of 240 bullets on an undisclosed basis. So again, the law requires a statutory minimum sentence of seven years on a guilty plea, 10 years after trial. And to the best of my knowledge, he did not get any of that. Let me try to find the follow-up sentencing. Um, one second, one second. Let me see what he did get. I think it was just a fine. And I, I can't for the world of me. Um, uh, let me just see here. So I cannot for the world of me. Oh, yeah, his house is, is up for sale on Cayman Brack for $2.95 million, 6,300 square feet. What a hot mess. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Y'all cracks me up. Um, this person actually said in the comment section, listen, $2.95 million. Y'all got to see this. This is just a side note here, but I feel like I need to share this with you all because uh, this is actually quite funny. So somebody just sent me the link for his house um, for sale and have a look at this. So this is the house. Let me increase the size here. Oceanfront Mansion. Northwest Cayman Brack. He's obviously doesn't look like he's going. Is this, oh, I guess, is this a realtor? I don't know. Tranquil Cayman. But this guy, Calvin Christian, 
Big shout out to Mr. Calvin. He made me laugh. He said, sorry to say, I have seen some bad designs, but this one takes the cake. <laughs> no internal pictures of bedrooms, bathrooms, living room, or kitchen, etc. Looks like work in progress, just saying. <laughs> but apparently this is what almost $3 million will get you in Cayman Brack. Not even a proper staircase with, with handles on it. So if you're too old, this is not going to be the house for you because it has a suspend one of those suspension staircases where you better be in good shape so that you don't fall down the stairs. Um, but look at this, the yard. Look at the aerial view. The yard is not even completed. What kind of jacked up shit is it? Listen, good morning. Are you trying to get on air today? Huh? Are you trying to get on air? No, 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 I'm not trying to get on air. Yeah, well, you know, I'm live until 10 o'clock. Okay, that's right. All right, my dear. All right, folks. So even if you call me on my personal line, I don't know if you're trying to get on air and just don't remember the show number. 936, Bobo. But look at this. Um, you're surrounded by swamp land, number one. And number two, there's no landscaping. So I must pay $3 million for a swamp. Is that a swamp pool? Does it have some medicinal purposes if I go swim in that swamp pool? But my God, I'm going to drop millions of dollars and you can't even give me decent landscaping? What the hell is this? No, sir. A sand yard for $2.95 million. Y'all are crazy. Anyway, um, thank you to the Stu caller, the listener to the program who sent that in. Oh, here we go. Um, so he was, he was fined. Imposed a collection of fines and costs that totaled $45,000 CI. That's what he got. Imagine. <laughs> Nothing for scouting the jurisdiction. Pleaded guilty to ammunition and firearm offenses. Prosecution, slack as they want to be. Leave the other offenses on file. And he pays a $45,000 fine. Have, have, Y'all need to have this make sense. You know? I mean, this so made no sense. How on earth can you pay $45,000 and that's it? And this is not the only case. There have been instances after instances. In fact, by all accounts, $45,000 is like a big deal because most of the time it's like, oh, $1,000 fine, $2,000 fine, and that's it. So somebody has got to explain this to me because it doesn't make any logical sense. And uh, I mean, I just don't understand it. I, again, um, I, I will try to find the judgment because I do think that um, although I'm not seeing it and I don't know why I'm not seeing it on the, on the website. I should be able to find this judgment. I mean, there should be a written judgment. I would have thought, even if it's unreported, right? I'll keep looking for the judgment. But yeah, this doesn't make any sense to me.
so there is a section for um, unreported uh, judgments. And um, there's nothing that's showing up there. So you mean that they didn't even bother to, to put this in writing as to why this decision came about? Good Jesus. No, sir. I, 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 I struggle with being able to say that I believe in these instances that the law is being applied equally. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Am, am I on? Yes, sir. Uh, okay, I, I thought you were just uh, you were asking me to hold up. Yeah. Well, this this is a, a very important topic, Sandy. Of course, and that's why you're discussing it. Um, and it's got a lot of facets to it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's very important for 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 all of us to understand uh, exactly what it means, what it doesn't mean, uh, and so on. Now, first thing, uh, the the points that you have made. Uh, about how certain categories of people, particularly people coming from outside, are treated differently, it is, is important not just for the firearms uh, sentencing, but also in the broader criminal uh, um, justice system. Now, I, I follow U.S. like a lot of people in Cayman, we follow what happens in the U.S. in relation to color blindness. There is um, a book, uh, called the New Jim Crow and uh, uh, subtitled Mass Incarceration in the Age of Color Blindness. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that book was one of the first to really um, comprehensively say things that if you watched uh, 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 American TV and watch certain programs, mm -hmm. you will know that um, uh, black people, uh, minorities in general, but particularly black people are over-policed Mm -hmm. They are over-prosecuted mm -hmm. and over-sentenced. Yes. Um, for, for, for an offense such as possession of marijuana, where it is still an offense, um, black people are four times more likely to be arrested for it mm -hmm. than white people. Why? It is because a lot of the police officers, even in black neighborhoods, happen to be white. And mm -hmm. so if they find some white white people who are smoking, they will take away the pipe or whatever it is, the bong or throw it away or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for black people, they'll, they'll throw the book at them. And to me, uh, I think that uh, it is important to derive lessons from that. Mm -hmm. In the Cayman Islands, the Caymanians, regardless of race, occupy the same position in some senses, especially in the criminal justice system, that black people occupy in the, in the states. So that you find Caymanians are over-policed, mm -hmm. over, 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 over-arrested and, 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 and over-prosecuted and over-sentenced. A lawyer one time, a lawyer one time, uh, I won't mention his name, mm -hmm. complained about how on the same day he went to court and his client, who was Caymanian, and the lawyer also was Caymanian, um, before the sentencing came, before the reports for sentencing on a drunk driving charge came, mm -hmm. his license was suspended, and uh, they had to um, straight away submit, you know, give up their license. In the same court, a British person came there, and I don't know British people, I've got a lot of British friends. A British person was there 
with a British lawyer, and they allowed that person to keep the license mm. through Christmas mm. to say, well, let's wait for the report. And the lawyer really was very frustrated saying, look, uh, if they had done the same thing to my client, uh, you know, either, or at least done the same thing to the other person, mm. done the same thing to both people, it was going to be fine. And, and you see, this, this, this is where the problem is. Now, looking specifically at the firearms license, mm. um, the, the, the firearms sentencing, you see, the problem with that, these people, is because sometimes certain politicians don't listen. Mm -hmm. They were told at the time, they said, look, they were told that minimum sentences are fine, but you have to be very careful with them. They mm -hmm. can't be too high. But the problem at that time, this was 2008, thereabouts, because mm -hmm. there was a spike in crime. They said, well, you see, we, we want to make sure that we are strong on crime and so on. But they were told, don't be too strong because you will make mistakes. But of course, they went with the easier thing. What happened is that they, they said, well, it's going to be 10 years now. When that caused a problem, the judges didn't like it and so forth. Then they mm -hmm. said, oh, okay, if you plead guilty, then, you know, seven years is, uh, uh, you, you can be given seven years. However, they went ahead and said, Still, if there are exceptional circumstances, you can get less than seven years. Hmm. First of all, that is a problem with your with the way mm -hmm. your legislation is written. Mm -hmm. Because if you say that the minimum, you've already given an allowance to say 10 and then seven, and then you say exceptional circumstances, yes. that now becomes a door for abuse. Yes. And who is going to benefit from that? The people who will benefit are the foreigners who come in. Your own Caymanians uh, are not going to benefit from it. And mm -hmm. I think you mentioned a little earlier on about what are exceptional circumstances. Mm -hmm. Now, you know very well, having studied law, that that is an expression which is used uh, commonly in different places. Uh, and there are certain appropriate places where you can use it. Mm -hmm. But usually when you are writing uh, something like this, you try to give examples of exceptional circumstances. Right. So that when the judge is adjudicating on the case, they will say, okay, I see here the types of the exceptional circumstances they've provided. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm quite sure that circumstance H can come within this category, circumstance Y cannot come into this category. So that, that is also a flaw in, the, in the, uh, the legislation itself. Then on top of that, the application of the provision also is, is a problem. How do you have minimums of 10 and 7, and then if there are exceptional circumstances, mm -hmm. give somebody no jail at all? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not I'm, I'm not quite sure that that was what was intended. If you say, well, there are exceptional circumstances, um, but I'll give you maybe four years or three years, yes. yeah, that could make sense. But when you say, well, there are exceptional circumstances and therefore you are going to pay 45000 in terms of fine, but you won't go to jail, and that's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could have charged him also for 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 for, for, for skipping bail and this and that, but apparently all that got lost in the whole thing. Mm. So the important thing is that people have to understand that when you try to get tough on crime, you are really trying to get tough on your own Caymanians. Let me end on this point. Um, sometimes I say I end on this point and then I keep talking, but you, of course you will stop me. <laughs> now, um, there's this issue now um, about gambling. Now, yes. my own opinion about, about gambling, you know, stroke, lottery and so on, the, the numbers uh, game, is that it has gotten to a point in, in, in society, in Cayman now, 
where I, I don't think that um, the right thing is to now start to overpunish them. Mm-hmm. Because again, well, two, two things. Firstly, I think it has become so much part of the society. Somebody mm-hmm. was explaining to me a few weeks ago about how it works with the lottery in Honduras and this and that, and I think you covered a little bit of it and so on. But you see, the, the problem with it is that there are a lot of people making money from it. Mm-hmm. Some of them who are retirees and because they, they can't live on the retirement money and so on. And to try and now get rid of it is too late. In every society, you get to a point where you say, we can't change this. Mm-hmm. We want to just regulate it. And I think what they want to do, they, they should do is regulate it. Increasing the penalties will just mean against, again, it will be the Caymanians who will get arrested more, prosecuted more, and over the sentence, what are you doing again? Mm-hmm. Again, you are going after your own people and and, 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 and and sending them to jail, making it much more difficult for them to read a straight life. Mm-hmm. So for addition, all I say but, is but, learn. Let me, let me just ask you a question. I know we're not really going to get too deep sure. into the whole gambling thing, but there, there is a difference yeah. once again about perhaps decriminalizing what's happening which becomes problematic because when we're dealing with um, other jurisdictions who will then look at us and say, how can you decriminalize unregulated, unlawful gambling? So that would be a problem. But if you okay. try if you try to regulate it, how exactly would you even regulate it? Are you trying to say that these people should register and get a business license and you're going to tell them how to piggyback off of a number system out of another country? Or are you saying the government has to set up a lawful, um, you know, lottery, which you're then hoping will pull people away from the, um, you know, that will pull people away from the illegal gambling? Yes, that, that's a very good question. In fact, I wouldn't have been able to answer it in the small way I'm going to do that if I hadn't spoken to this person a few weeks ago, because what this person told me was that some of the, the numbers game, the way they work, is that there is a lottery, say, in Honduras, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they do the draw there. Mm-hmm. But there's somebody here who runs their own like a little lottery, and they yes. will pay you money depending on what comes out there. So, and I didn't know that that aspect of it. Yeah. Now that bit, I, I that bit, I do not see how you can like internalize that in Cayman and regulate mm-hmm. it. But, but, but I, I think the answer to that would be, the partial answer would be that uh, you, you want in Cayman to allow those people who want to gamble to be Ooh. able to gamble with an institution here and perhaps be able to win the same amounts of money roughly which they would win with that lottery. That would bring at least a substantial part of it, I imagine, of, of, of that illegal gambling uh, out into the open. And once something comes out in the open, also the the the, the side effects of it, if you can call them that, mm-hmm. that like the other related related crime is becomes reduced. Now, you you will never be able to to bring everybody within the legal legalized side of gambling. There will always be certain people who will still do certain things illegally. But I think at the end of the day, what you want to look at is you want to regulate it without overly punishing people mm. uh, and, 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 and then over-incarcerating your own, uh, your own people. Because at the end of the day, you see, you see in writing legislation, one of the things I've, I've learned about, about uh, politicians in particular and people in general 
is that very often they've got this idea that if you make the penalties tough, then people will stop doing it. Mm. This was the thinking. This was the thinking during the firearms thing. You know, if you make it ten years, you know, um, people are going to stop doing it. Look, I lived during a time when I used to read about Idi Amin's Uganda, where where he he said he was going to stop armed robberies by hanging people in public. This is in the 70s. And he used to hang people in public, but armed robberies actually didn't go down. A lot, a lot of the people who were arrested for armed robbery, they said they had even attended some of those hangings, okay? So uh, there is, yes, penalties are important and you, you want some time to get tough on crime, but you just can't go overboard over it uh, because you are not getting the result that you want. Your, your net result will be over incarceration and then, you wind up, you have you've used the hammer to kill a fly, and in the end, your society is, is, is worse off for it. But criminal justice reform in the Cayman Islands, in the Cayman Islands, I believe is as necessary in Cayman as it is in the United States to just make sure that there's proper balance uh, in the way in which things are done. Mm -hmm. Well, I thank you, Sandy. I, I, I hope that I, I, I try to talk long because I know that your voice is, is not so good today and yes. so on, but, uh, but you are a trooper. It's good to still listen to you and... Uh, at least you are audible. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Um, so some interesting points there. Um, you know, I haven't quite addressed the uh, the gambling thing fully because with a situation like that, I really like to uh, sort of get my ducks lined up and uh, have comparative information to be able to go off of. So good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Oh my word, Sandy! What happened to your voice? <laughs> I know. Jesus, Lord. I know. You had bananas last night, or no, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Sandy. Um, I got a couple of points. Um, to make before I go. Good morning to all. Yes. Um, one is with those handicaps. Um, I was driving, so I couldn't really talk. They had to pull over and stop. But the handicap signs that they have. Um, the thing of it is how do when people put handicap signs people could make them they could buy them they could make fake ones whatever what i think the government should do is have certain handicap license plates mm -hmm. that is married to your vehicle so if you have a disability or whatever you have i know they have some disability um license plates i see some disability license plates around but some of the ones that are dis that still have their same license plate and there's a that goes onto your license plate. So that's married to your vehicle. So when you get rid of that vehicle, you have to get rid of that plate or that plate could transfer to another vehicle. Right. Um, that was enabled them from actually making fake um, um, handicap signs because a lot of people and you might you might have a disability and I might borrow yours and put it on my car. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a disability, right? So that's one of the things. Number two, um, I don't know if you want to YouTube this. There's a way in New York, in New York right now, uh, they just passed a legislation law, I think it was like a year or two ago, where trucks, truckers that are leaving the vehicles idle. Mm -hmm. um, th there's a gentleman that goes around. He, is, he has already made like um, over a million dollars or whatever in his bank account. Basically, he goes around and he uses the same app that you were talking about, and he takes pictures of the vehicle back and front, do a time stop, reported it in, and then when the officer comes and gives them a ticket, he gets 20% off that fine once the person is convicted. Mm. So that would be a thing to think about as well. 
So mm-hmm. for those people who are taking pictures of whatever, it's a reward for them. And people would know not to do it because guess what? If I know that you're going to be parking somewhere and I could make a little side money, right? And I take a picture and I do a time stop and I call it in, mm-hmm. right? And to do the video because there's also a video. I think with your app, you could do a video with it as well. I'll send you the link as well. But mm-hmm. um, the, the there's a video... Um, you could do the video and you could talk into the video and it will do the timestamp when the video was created. Mm-hmm, so you mm-hmm. can't do something, it would automatically create a timestamp. Then you send that off to whatever officer or whatever. So the RCIPS has a WhatsApp number just for that. You send it off to them or 911 has it and you send it off to them. That will be used as evidence. Mm-hmm. And then that person will get that 20, 20% or whatever so the fine is three hundred dollars. He makes twenty percent off of that. So think about that little that little um, stipend coming in for him at the <clears> end <throat> of the month, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, so it the, the the court will be getting their money. The person will be able to. It will be more of a reward to to the citizens. Yes. So that's something to think about. The other thing is, and I'm gonna go really quickly on this, and I'll let you go because I know you can really can't talk, and I feel kind of bad too. But um, the other thing about the numbers, yes, they've been, over 30 years, they've been playing numbers. And a lot of Caymanians have homes. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of Caymanians have homes because of numbers. A lot of officers have bigger homes and apartments because of the numbers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me me just say this as well. There are a lot of Caymanians who have stolen and lost everything because of numbers as well. Yeah. And there's and 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 that's you have the good with the bad with everything else too, mm-hmm. because they're not controlling it. But at the same time, how many Caymanians fly up to Miami, <clears throat> buy the lottery ticket, come back to Cayman, play the lottery because it is the same thing. You leave in jurisdiction mm-hmm. and then they'll win the lottery in Miami, bring the money back here. <laughs> and say, I won money drew in the lottery because it's over $10,000, whatever, and is accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so in it's, that jurisdiction, it's it's legal if you played it. Right, like, just like know. in Honduras and Jamaica, numbers and cash water is legal, but in Cayman is not, but yet they'll fly up to Miami and go, oh, buy me a lottery ticket, buy me this, buy me that, buy me a couple of lottery tickets. Yeah. I, you, you you hear them talk all the time. Boy, the, the lottery in California is 600 million. Yeah. Boy, let me play that. So they played it I over mean, there. When I, when I go to the U.S., I buy a lottery ticket because at that moment in time, it's completely Be careful, Sonny. To... Be careful. You might you, you might no, get arrested no, 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 no. when you get here. But from, for, <laughs> at, at that moment in time. People coming after you next. Um, yep, she, she does admit it. She bought a lottery. But, of course. You know but what in I mean? that moment in time and in that jurisdiction, it's completely legal for me to do so. I'm not right. engaging in... Any and I mean, even within the US, there's still forms of illegal gambling, right? right? I'm not engaging in those. I'm playing the Florida state lottery or the right. California, whatever when they do it, the multi-state right. one. So, so the thing is they're by they paid it over there, but it's illegal over here. So when you when you you you're 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 doing a lottery, just like if I go to Honduras or I go to Jamaica and I win cash bot, or I call somebody in Jamaica and I say, I need this this on Jamaica cash bot. Right. No, but it, it, I, I think the difference is when the act is committed in the country where it is illegal. So if you go to Miami, if you go to California, New York, wherever, and you buy a lottery ticket, the act of buying a lottery ticket, again, if it's the state run, like the legal lottery, that is not illegal okay. in that jurisdiction. So although you're Caymanian, 
Nobody can stop mm-hmm. you from doing that. That's not an offense. Yeah, but the thing, the whole thing of it is too, Sandy, and I want you to think about this. You going away. I see you at the airport or I see you somewhere going. I say, Sandy, you going away? By, by this, these are numbers I need you, and I write down the numbers in Cayman. You go to Miami and you purchase it. What's the difference from me coming to you? And I still got to give you the money here to purchase the, the, the lot of ticket before you go up. Now, when I call, I go to John Brown in Cayman, and I said, I need cash, but he's not, he's, he's actually calling, he's calling wherever to get the numbers ordered because they don't, they don't just pick the numbers here. They have to call wherever and do the numbers over there. No, but I, I think the major distinction, which is very, very important, is mm-hmm. the jurisdiction in which you are playing the lottery, right? Mm-hmm. So anyone in Cayman who is here playing these whatever lottos are, right? That mm-hmm. is illegal in the Cayman Islands. Even if I say to my friend in Miami, they're carrying out the act in that country. I need mm-hmm. you to purchase me a ticket in Florida. I'm going to go to Florida to cor- collect my winnings and do whatever with that. That act is not an illegal act. Right. You know, so well, it, it's it's jurisdictional, but it makes a big difference in a situation like this. And 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 the other thing that yes, they now they, is it still gambling? They, yes, of course it's still gambling. But the meaning of gambling is gambling. The, 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 unfortunately, the the other organization when they do they raffle and they do this and that. that's still a sign of gambling mm-hmm. and regardless how you gambling and gambling no matter how you pretty it up either it's done by the church it's done by the state and and when it when it do this other one that um and this other thing i wanted to ask you too the person who won when they're doing the the whole um what we'll call it the vaccination um raffle or whatever yes do, now that that is considered that going to the ombudsman, does the person have to give back the prize? No. Nah. Because that was not wrong. Here, that was here's, not... here's the thing that I find. I'm just asking. You no, know? but here's the thing that I find peculiar about that whole situation. Um, I know for a fact, right, that the DMS organization reached out to the HSA ombudsman office, all these people to try to ensure that the way in which it was done was fully compliant. So there were things that they, they never got the information, right? The HSA was the one who was saying, who was verifying that, okay, these people are eligible, not the DMS organization for that very Mm -hmm. same reason, Mm -hmm. because they Mm -hmm. were taking every step possible to ensure compliance. This came up because I was there. And this came up at meetings that they did not want to run afoul of any, you know, data protection legislation. So how the ombudsman's office, and by the way, let me just say this to the ombudsman's office. Can y'all please step up to the plate a little bit? Someone mentioned that they're investigating things that people don't give a shit about. (laughs) They're like, they're investigating Mm -hmm. the things that people don't care about. How about investigating something we care about? But having Mm -hmm. said that, I think a real explanation as to how they go out and independently open this investigation into this. It's called deflection. When they were actually part and parcel of the, please instruct us on how to do this and how to get it right process before the raffle. 
really baffles my mind. It, it's it's just once the once they try to bring the horse back after it leaves the barn and it's it's too late and that's I think that's one oh, of the problems. Listen, someone just said I I need to look at the ombudsman's report because somebody said it's not the DMS raffle that was found at fault. It was the Ministry of Tourism raffle. But Ooh. I thought, okay, then I obviously need to um, read the report <laughs> because this is what happens when you don't read, honey, chill. Because there were, there were several different raffles and that person, let me see what the actual, I guess I should read my own CMR article, right? <laughs> um, I didn't put the story up to be fair. You got way too, you need to, you need to clone yourself. You have to go to England and clone yourself, Sandy. But let me, let me have a look because Renee did this story. So I thought it was actually the DMS raffle, but this person no, was saying the, no. the tourism one. Okay. Well, let me have a look at their report. Because I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit confused, but anyway. Well, let me um, leave you with that, and I'll send you the link. Um, and I, I think that it, for the disabilities and stuff like that, what they should have is, like I said, a license plate for it. Um, and then for anyone that 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 sees anyone that either on the phone or or um, while they're driving or something like that, and they report it, they could be able to get a twenty percent. I mean, they were given away. Well, not given away, but. Um, the twenty percent of of the findings, um, if they want to help, and I would encourage people not to do it, and also encourage the people, you know what I'm saying, what I mean. So I'll send you that article, and then you can actually look at it, and hopefully that'll make sense. Okay, thank you so much, right. caller. All right, no so um, let me let me clarify this, and I'm glad that this astute listener um, has actually brought this to my attention because. The I, I was baffled by that because I was thinking that it was the DMS one. And I was thinking, how the hell could that happen? Because like I said, the DMS organization went out of their way to ensure and to speak to the relevant agencies because they're like, listen, we don't want to be running afoul. Um, hold on. Hold on one second. Uh, so again... It's important to get this right. So, yes, so they do have in here, it says vaccine challenge violates the DPA own motion investigation. So this is them investigating this because they felt like it. So it does say that the Ministry of Tourism and Transport held a vaccine challenge. Oh, so they're saying that the ministry got it wrong. What a hot mess. Oh, Lord have mercy. Um... But wasn't wasn't the the DMS giveaway part of the ministry's challenge? I, I'm a, I'm confused. <laughs> the ombudsman's office has confused me. Was that a separate giveaway? I thought that was like the grand prize. So this is what it says: the Ministry of Tourism uh, had a vaccine challenge to incentivize the public to get vaccinated against COVID nineteen which involved the publication of winners' names. The data was sensitive personal data under the DPA as it revealed the vaccination status of the data subjects. So the ombudsman um, conducted an own motion investigation and found that the ministry did not meet the requirements of the first data protection principle because it did not provide an adequate privacy notice explaining the purposes of processing the data. Okay. As well as the ministry did not have valid consent or other or another legal basis for the processing as required by law. 
didn't you, when you get vaccinated, um, give them, didn't you sign a permission slip in relation to that? Because you had to actually sign up for the raffle, did you not? So when you went and got vaccinated, you signed, I remember, I remember signing up. And on that wasn't there a disclaimer that obviously they'd have to know your vaccination status and confirm it and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm, I'm confused here. It says that the ministry fully cooperated with the ombudsman and ceased the publication of the sensitive personal data of the winners of the challenge, including its removal from all social media, all media and social media under its control. The case was closed. The ombudsman recommends, made recommendations for any similar initiative in the future, including that individuals be provided with a compliant privacy notice and that a legal basis for processing uh, should exist and that more privacy-friendly options be found. Hmm. I thought we signed something. All right. Well, I guess this is what the ombudsman's office does. I don't know. I would really love for the ombudsman's office to do more educating of the general public about the Data Protection Act and the legislation and how it works. I have been begging them, literally begging them for quite some time. Can you please come on the show and explain to people what data protection is, what the law says, when the act says, and it's like crickets. Where's my cricket button? Let me see if I can find it. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Where's my crickets? Crickets. Crickets, crickets. Can't hear nothing. Hear the cricket? Yeah, just that one little crick. Um, they keep talking about, yeah, 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 they're working on it. How hard can it be to try to educate the people? The more people understand, the better. Um, so anyway, the firearm case, we'll monitor it. Listen, I don't know what this dude was doing with all this ammunition and what his intentions are. So in this latest case, we have a nine millimeter semi-automatic rifle, a nine millimeter pistol, um, and a 12 gauge shotgun, <laughs> three pieces of firearm. My God, what the hell? Now, I don't know who he is. Somebody said, was he a Russian guy? I have no clue. He will be appearing in court this morning and the investigations continue. However, for the record, right, it would not be unheard of that an individual could be working in collusion with other people in this jurisdiction to bring firearms into this country. It's happened before. So why do these people get a slap on the wrist? Only God knows. We'll wait and see what the investigations bring to the forefront. And um, I will certainly keep you guys updated. Ms. Darlene says, only in Cayman. Ms. Brenda says, good morning, Sandra. I'm more interested in why he brought those guns in with him, who he's associated with, and what his occupation is. Kudos to CBC. We may never know any of that, but let's see. Um, Dave says, systematic racism at its highest in Cayman. I bet if it was um, a Jamaican, it's a closed case. No debate to this. Jim says the judicial system is slack here. Um, Johan says, was a suspect trying to invade the country or rob a bank or going hunting? Who travels with that many weapons by accident? 
I mean, we don't know what their defense is in this particular case, but we'll see. Alejandra says those high pitches will make your voice worse, child. I just need to rest it, which I will do after the show. Miss Sue says they need to throw the damn book at him um, like they do Annie K. Madden's found with a gun. It's so wrong. How did he get through the Canadian airport? They should have found him. Let me say this about when you're exiting a country. And this happens actually quite often. A lot of the times the um, individual um, will, the individual countries, like they're, you know, law enforcement agencies will be aware that someone has a firearm and that may or may not be illegal in their jurisdiction. So if you're, if you're firearm in your suitcase um, in the United States of America, that might not be an offense, clearly, based on what the foolish is going on with. But <clears throat> they leave it to the country <clears throat> that you're traveling to to deal with the situation. So they're going to allow you to come. A lot of times they do know what you have on you. <clears throat> and they're going to allow you to come. There are times when they will advise uh, the other jurisdiction that, hey, heads up, this guy's got three weapons in his suitcase or whatever. And he hasn't declared any of them. Because you can travel with a firearm in and out of the Cayman Islands, but there's a process by which you have to declare it. Right? CBC has to know, and you have to get permission, in fact, to be able to bring the firearm into this country. So when are, are uh, you know, um, gun club members travel with their firearms, they're able to fill out declarations and, you know, there's checks and balances in place about what firearm it is. You need registration numbers and all sorts of stuff. That's permitted, but you have to go through the correct process. You don't just walk into a country with a nine millimeter semi-automatic rifle, a nine millimeter pistol and a 12 gauge shotgun. Like what the, what the actual, you know what I'm saying? This is crazy. Johan says that there should be no exceptions for this individual. Throw the book at them, put them in jail for over 10 years. If it was a Caymanian, Jamaican, Honduran, or anybody else, they'd be um, made an example of. Um, no, Miss Olive. It, yesterday wasn't the best either, but. Oh, good, a caller. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Yes, and in regards to the firearm, let me explain. Um, when you leave in this island with a firearm, not only CBC, mm -hmm. uh, airline has to be, all mm -hmm. airlines have, I don't care which airline you travel on, in and out of the U.S., all the airline has to be advised that you have a firearm inside of your suitcase, one. Number two, your suitcase has to be, your firearm has to be in a protective case right. with the trigger locked, mm -hmm. two. You cannot carry no more than I think is three or six ounces of firearms just in case of explosion or um, automatic um, uh, firearm going off. All right, that cannot your firearm cannot be loaded. All right, it has mm -hmm. to be loaded. Uh, sometimes the recoil has to be taken out, and that's a fact. That's not something a hearsay. Mm -hmm. So, for him to come to the island. Number one, was the firearm in a, just in a protective case? Was it loaded? Um, that's the whole things that people have to look about because if it was loaded, that's, that's yeah, that's negligence. Mm -hmm. And as a firearm owner, you cannot, um, I'm not sure why Denny hasn't called in yet, but um, <laughs> for a firearm, 
<laughs> this is right up his alley. Uh, oh, he must be fell asleep or something. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> give him about a minute, he'll be calling. Um, but for a firearm, uh, you have to have it in a protective case. The case has to be locked. Um, and it has to be, no one can't just have access to it. Um, the airline has to be advised. Um, once the airline is advised, um, there's certain things, there's certain um, things that the airline will let whoever is going to be scanning the bags, knowing that there's a firearm in that particular bag. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's all that's protection. So that bag is constantly being watched. So no one could be able to go into it, steal it. And, you know, for an example, if someone wants to cause harm to the airline, there's you know, this inside or whatever, you know, I might know I might be working there and I know that you want to take over the aircraft or whatever, mm-hmm. then I'll let the inside guy know. He know which one is my bike. He takes it out, brings it on the ramp because you've seen things happen like this in the States. And, and these, these are things that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that bike has to be constantly being watched. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm for for the protection so my thing is my whole thing is what is good for the gander is good for the geese mm-hmm. okay and that if he got here or the person got here and that bike the, the firearm was just out you know just out without no protection that's negligence there's no way you're going to pack your bike and not know that it's in there mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. i would understand that okay yes you're and, and in canada they have very strict laws when it comes to firearm mm-hmm. So Canada is just piggybacking off of Cayman. Cayman is piggybacking off of Canada, which piggyback off the UK. Mm-hmm. So they're very strict when it comes to firearm. They're not the land of free and the brave like the US that everyone has a firearm. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time you're six years old, you're you're you have a 22 in the yard. You know, so it, it's it's something that they have to look into, and just giving them a slap on the wrist. If you could do that to them, why is it you can't do it to the locals? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes. I, you might have went to Miami and go to a gun range, or you might, because you used to live in Miami or live in the States, you might have a firearm that you have registered there, and you just put it in your carry-on bag and completely forgot it because that was your backpack that you went to the, the range with, and mm-hmm. you forgot about it, you came back, came out, so therefore, Sandy's going to go to prison for the next 10 years because you honestly forgot it there because mm-hmm. you were rushing to get home, and you know, you're taking care of your little girl and running up and down and doing everything else in the book. And posting stuff, you forgot. Mm. You know what I mean? So there's simple, there's human errors, and and that's one of the things. But that one of the things that people have to look at is was it protected? Was it in the case? You cannot pack a suitcase without knowing it's in there. Mm-hmm. And where is sense. your responsibility as a firearm owner? Mm-hmm. That's a very big responsibility. And please, then they call. Talk to you later. Thank you so much. All right. Um, so, you know, some really interesting contributions this morning. Thank you <clears throat> to that call again. But for sure, um, everybody's asking, where is Denny? He must be sleeping in this morning. They're like, come on, Denny. Here's your chance to call in. Don't disappoint. This person says, where's Denny? Come on, Denny. Don't disappoint us. <laughs> um, but can you pack a rifle and shotgun accidentally? Well, I've never heard of such a thing. I, listen, I don't know what kind of people who the hell pack in their suitcases and how this works, but I don't, when I get back from a trip and this is just me, I'm a little bit anal retentive. I must admit about certain things, right? 
When I come back from a trip, the first thing I do is unpack my suitcase. Even if unpacking means that it's all going to end up on the sofa, which is like my unpacking zone. I empty out all my suitcases, take everything out. You know, you don't want to be bringing any of those nasty big bed bugs that you might've picked up in some New York hotel into your house. Disinfect your suitcases, air them out, put them out in the sun, do what you got to do, honey, chow, and put them back in the suitcase closet. That's what I do. I don't leave anything in my suitcases. Yeah. Then they go from the unloading area to then, okay, this pile is for Gianna's room. So this will go to laundry, get rinsed out, whatever. Iron folded, whatever, get to her room. This is Sandy's stash. This is Marilyn's stash. Well, you know the shoes. I'm going to have more shoes than everybody else. Hello. This is my stash of shoes. We got to sort out where they're going, which ones are coming out of the closet, which ones are getting donated. Like there's a process. The electronics case, because I keep all my chargers and everything in one little case, that goes somewhere else. I don't understand how you could leave a rifle. To me, that is like so irresponsible. I'm like, what the hell? Who does that? You see, in my brain, I don't understand it. But then I'm also not an American who has a gun in every single room where it's like no big deal. They walk around with, you know, unconcealed weapons every which way. All right, we have a community announcement. If you know a Derek Nelson, Mr. Derek, um, he looks like he's got cornrows in his hair. Uh, Your license has been found. So Derek Nelson, please reach out to us. Your driver's license, and I think maybe the whole wallet. Let me see what they say. Um, His wallet was found, yes. So somebody has found your wallet, and they would like to give you your wallet back. So by all means, if you know Derek Nelson, ask him to link up this morning. Get to us, and we will reunite him with his wallet. There is Mr. Derek's photo. If you know Derek Nelson, tell him, Derek, CMR looking for you this morning, but it's good news. Somebody has found your license, and they've done the right thing in terms of turning it in. Bravo. Uh, So Johan says, great job, and CBC and all law enforcement agencies involved in this arrest or investigation or intelligence. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Brenda says, introduce a Caymanian cash pot or scratch card lottery, ban all of the others, and make participation in those illegal. Well, they're already illegal. Um, my only question is, I need to see some evidence that anywhere else in the world that this has actually worked, where you transition from people being, as uh, Mr. Blika said, so ingrained into the illegal lotto system that when you introduce a bona fide lottery, that those people will transition over to that and actually participate in that instead. I'm not sure if if a legal lottery can even compete with these illegal ones. I mean, I don't really know enough about them. I need somebody to come on the program who's an expert. Any numbers people willing to come and tell us exactly how it works? Do call me. Maybe we could do like an interview where we disguise your voice and then we play that during the show. Because yeah, I'd I'd like some details on exactly um, how it works and how they make their money and so on. I know a guy I could call. I know Kim Adian, who's alleged to have made millions of dollars off of this lifestyle. Hello, sir. <laughs> but we will definitely get to the gambling conversation. Good morning, caller. Sunday. I don't know too much about the, the gambling part. Uh-huh. Participated one or two times, but I can say how to transition into a legal environment, a legal one, mm-hmm. with the ganja. So, 
Like you going into California and you buying ganja in California, you can get it from a dispensary. Mm-hmm. Or it is still illegal to sell ganja on the streets. Right. So you can get it at a fair price of a little bit cheaper than what you would buy it from the dispensaries. So this is why they cannot compete with mm-hmm. legal versus illegal. Yeah. And you'll so never, my, my point is this, right? I don't think one of the reasons that you can never compete is because there will always be associated costs with doing it the right way that those who exactly. do it illegally don't have to worry about. That's me. Yeah, and this is the thing. How can they prove that they say that you're illegal to carry around a certain amount of ganja mm-hmm. in your person? And if you want to go to, let's just say, Fresno instead of being in Orange County, you can travel with certain amount and you're still in the jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. So you can do this. They say you cannot sell, but if I can give with a low key, get a little favor in return, that's still not illegal because you're in the possession range. And so when these people trick you, like telling you you cannot do certain things, it's only just a loophole system that you just got to follow the rules and do not break them. That's all. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. And guess what, folks? Apparently, Denny is awake this morning. Good morning, Denny. Morning. How are you doing? Not bad. How are you? I heard you miss me. <laughs> well, it actually wasn't me. You know? It was other people <laughs> saying, where's Denny? <laughs> no, uh, what he's talking about there, um, about the illegal element and the cost associated, that's a, that's a, that's a fundamental problem, not just in, in, in Lotto, but in a lot of things that people try to make illegal and um it makes answering the question should should we do it um do should you should you make um cannabis legal should Mm -hmm. you make lotto legal um just answering that simple question the, the problem with answering that question is that mm-hmm. you have to make a lot of assumptions. Like mm-hmm. you have to make a, an assumption as to what the fines are going to be and all sorts of other things, what the rules, what the regulations are going to be. The only way that you can really answer a question is you make a proposal as to what you think you want to implement, and I'll tell you if it'll work. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Then now I have more information to work with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 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 what you said is quite right which is you you don't have the overhead cost of running something uh 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 gambling the 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 auditing and the and the business and everything um expenses Mm -hmm. and and an illegal system so unless they have a game that matches first of all my understanding of of the let's use the honduran one for example Mm -hmm. the numbers are double zero to 99 so that's a one in a hundred chance of winning Mm -hmm. um my understanding i think it costs ten dollars and the odds are and then you win like a thousand if you if you win Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which which would mean that if you want to make something legal, you're going to have to have those same odds. You're going to have to have that same cost. Because why should I pay more for, for 
um, less chance of winning. Mm. Now, I, I can think of the reason why, well, because it's legal. Mm-hmm. But, but that, that's not enough motivation for most that, people. That's, that, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was that simple. Yeah. Right? And, and that therein lies the crux of the yes. matter. Uh, and, the, and the other issue is, is that some people uh, are actually going to be losing an income stream because they're, they're banking this system. Mm. So they're going to want to continue to do it. Yes. So who, who knows what their response will be? Yes. Maybe, maybe they'll make it cheaper. Yeah. And right? I mean, if we listen to what the police commissioner has said, He's claimed that it's so lucrative of business that now we have expats coming in from abroad who are here on work permits to do something else who are getting into the illegal gambling business because they can make money without any any oversight, no nothing. And that's exactly what they want. Well, the, the truth of the matter is, is that that's not going to stop unless, unless you can match the odds for the cost. I don't see how you're going to do it, but I'm just saying that's what would need to be done because mm-hmm. I don't see how, why someone would pay more for less chances of winning. Mm. Uh, I just don't, I don't it see. It doesn't make any logical sense. No. All right. Um, so uh, on this other issue, your favorite subject. Um. I, I find it hard to see how someone could accidentally put a rifle in, in, a, in a suitcase or wherever it was. I'm not even sure where it was. That, I mean, I can understand a handgun in the culture that you're dealing with, but coming out of Canada, hmm, it's a little suspect too. Canada is very strict, in fact. Canada just recently banned um, handguns, so it might be a situation of someone trying to move their firearms from Canada to here mm-hmm. um, to keep them because they think worse might happen in Canada. Canada is becoming a totalitarian state, actually. Cayman is not that far behind. Um, I'm very... You know, when it comes to legislation and policy and all that kind of stuff, see, we're talking about cannabis and whether it should be legalized, gambling, whether it should be legalized. There, there was a conversation that used to take place in the past, and it was, it was about whether alcohol should be legalized. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. And the choices that society has to make is, look, you either allow people to have it lawfully in a reasonable way, or they'll do it illegal. Mm-hmm. That's that's your option, okay. Mm-hmm. And on the issue of firearms, the the um, there is there are people who think that you know nobody should have any firearm because they can't possibly conceive of any reason why somebody would need a firearm. Well, think of a very simple concept. Well, not when you go on because, vacation. No, I no, I, I get it. I understand. Self defense, right? Um, you were talking earlier about, um, people, you know, when they take pictures of things that they see happening, whether they understand what's happening or Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. 
and what kind of discretion goes into distributing that information? Mm-hmm. Well, in some places, when you're getting beat up, right, by criminals, mm-hmm. all they do is they pull out their phone and they think, okay, let me get the video. Mm-hmm. Okay, the video is helpful, but not to you if you die in the process. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's good for the authorities because they can know who to blame, but it doesn't help you. You're dead. Right. And so what I'm saying is that in a society where people are have become soft, helping you fend off violent criminals is not something that the average person is just going to jump up and do. Right? Mm-hmm. You're on your own. And and so to the people who would say you don't need a firearm at all, I would say I disagree. Because well, what, what about if, the, if those um, violent criminals are not violent criminals, but actually the police? Well, as actually, we just that's, saw yet again, that's not as that's not as far fetched as some people. That's what I was saying. Either. We just saw it again. <laughs> In the United States of America, some six people have now lost their jobs um, because they have killed a man. And the most astonishing part of this is the vast majority of those six people are people of color. And they took another black man's life. Yeah. Unnecessarily. So, I mean, if you're standing up and you're watching five officers beat up a guy, right? Your option is to record it or try to get in there and potentially end up losing your own life. Which of the two are you going to do? Um, well, <laughs> that really, if you say in, in this very specific situation in America. Um, you better record it. Yeah, you better record it. Because <laughs> unless, unless you're willing to be in a serious gunfight, mm-hmm. um, you better record it. Mm. But but the point that I'm making, I'm talking about when, you know, criminals are attacking you who are, who are not in that context, which is the more likely situation you'll find yourself in. Um, you have a right to defend your right to life. You see, this idea, like, in, even in our Constitution order, we have a right to life. But what does the right to life mean? It means that somebody can't uh, unlawfully deprive you of your life. Well, okay. How how are you going to prevent that from happening? Mm -hmm. Well, if somebody attacks you, you have to have the means by which you can defend that right. And if you can't have the, the, the means by which you can defend the right, what kind of right are we talking about? Mm -hmm. So there are lots of, that, that people don't think through, don't care about. I'll give you an example. I had a conversation with someone who was so anti-firearm. The person said to me, under no circumstances should anyone anywhere ever have a firearm. Not even the authorities. Mm. I said, okay. I said, I said, all right. So let's just pretend for a second that you had unilateral authority for keeping Cayman safe. Because remember, the criminals are not playing by your rules, okay? Mm-hmm. So 
you're standing at the at the um, customs, the uh, immigration um, checkpoint mm-hmm. at the airport, and somebody comes through, and in their luggage, there are firearms. Mm-hmm. And they take them out, and they start shooting at the place. You don't have weapons. Nobody has weapons. So they can do as they feel. I said, if you have unilateral authority to keep us safe, how are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. Without a word of lie, <laughs> the person said, I'll pull out my water gun and go squirt, squirt. <laughs> and I said, you're being absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now, what makes this difficult is that when somebody has a really stupid idea like that, Usually you can't get past that point because they know they're being stupid. And so they won't allow the conversation to continue in a way that you could arrive at some logical conclusion about necessary things that have to take place in order to be safe. And so the conversation is very difficult to have. Um, because some people just think that security is just something that just happens and we're safe. We're not Afghanistan. No, it's security is, is an act that you do at the time that it needs to be done. It's not because we're called the Cayman Islands and, and not called Afghanistan or some other country. So let me, let me ask you the question, Denny, that everybody wants you to answer this morning. When a foreign national brings a firearm into this jurisdiction, should there be extraordinary, apparently, um, these exceptional circumstances apply to them where they never see a day in jail? Yet if you're someone living here, Caymanian, Jamaican, Honduran, whatever, um, and apparently not an American or not a Canadian, or we haven't, I don't know if you've seen it tested with British people yet, but that you will have a very different set of um justice doled out for you no i i've always been against that completely i believe that what you are witnessing is a breach of section 16 of the constitution it's discrimination it's favoritism that's what i think you're witnessing i outright reject that idea we have to have equality before the law Mm -hmm. you see this is when you heard me arguing with premier panton about section 17 of the anti-corruption act Mm -hmm. what i was saying to him is wait a second you're gonna put in a provision that says it has to be intentional does 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 the provision of intentional exist in anti-corruption situations as it relates to people who are not public officers and who are not MPs? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm. I don't like that. Let me tell you a, a true story. One time I was trying to figure out what does it mean to have black laws, you know, like how the term is used in the U.S., right? 
Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure, understand, like, what did this mean? And I was doing some research and I accidentally came across um, a piece from the Florida Supreme Court mm-hmm. in which the judge was explaining how black laws work. And essentially, because I read some of the laws and I said, well, I don't see anything in this law that, you know, is like bad. Like, what do you, why is this called a black law? The judge explained that what what the problem was, was that black laws are laws that have discretion. And it's how the discretion is applied. They would apply it against black people uh, and, and do the most and prosecute them the most, whereas they wouldn't, they would use the discretion to not prosecute a person who is white. And, and I thought to myself, when I learned that, I said, oh, my God, sounds just like Cayman. Because there's so much of our laws mm. laden with discretion. Okay? And think about this. What's being said in these cases mm-hmm. is that Caymanians don't get, get, get that break. But certain ex- Think about this. Very wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's the reason why I am not for it. I believe that everyone should be treated the same. Okay, let's leave and it there. I, if I if I go to mm-hmm. another country, I it's my obligation to know what the laws are in that country before I go there. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And if there's and if there's gonna be any exceptional circumstances, mm-hmm. I agree with what um, Bilika said that there should be examples that, that make it clear what these exceptions are, and they should apply to everyone, not just certain people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. All right. We do have another caller who's on the line. Good morning, caller, and welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandra. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I am very, very grateful. I hear your whole um, yes. a, a little home remedy for that. Mm-hmm. Um, some apple cider vinegar with honey. And you could add a bit of ginger in it. And if that doesn't work, then maybe you're coming down with this virus, which attacks your throat terribly. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have to go to the doctor and get the proper medication for it. And I would strongly <clears throat> recommend that you don't wait too long because mm. it is a respiratory virus and it can get really bad. Mm. Anyway, I just wanted to say something regarding this firearms affair. Um, I know that in Canada, once you check your luggage, they, they have a scanner right behind the check-in counter and your checked luggage goes through that scanner. So Canada knew exactly what was in his luggage and like many other jurisdictions, they just notified the jurisdiction that you're going to be arriving in because they don't want to bother with all the paperwork and the courts and so on. Mm-hmm. They leave it to the other jurisdiction to 
deal with. So um, while I'm going to give a big kudos to our CDC, perhaps they were already notified. Mm-hmm. It's just it's when people are smuggling drugs That's right. out of one jurisdiction into the other. They let them through, but they notify the jurisdiction they are arriving in, Absolutely. and they're waiting for them. But my bigger concern with this matter mm-hmm. is why? Who is this person? Who is this person associated with? And I'm going to take it as far as to say what's his views politically? Because let us not forget that in Canada, they have a lot of what I call Trumpists, and they were displaying the same behaviors up there that were being displayed in America. Mm. And I cannot help but notice that since Trump has declared again, we see these behaviors surfacing once more. And we have a lot of people right here on this island, Caymanians, who support Trump. And mm-hmm. even with this last incident, where those police officers beat that young man to death, because there's no other way to put that. The only thing that reminds me of is the Emmett Till murder, where that young boy was beaten to death. And I have seen comments on Facebook where, and this is since the video was shown, where Trump supporters on this island, Caymanians, posted that, that video with the beaten and so on. And yet, they can find it within themselves to justify it and to suggest that, you know, while you're being kicked, held, you're handcuffed, you're held down, you're being kicked like a, like a football and punched like a watermelon, you know, why don't they stop resisting? So my question is, Mm-hmm. If some if five people are beating you, kicking you, punching you, I mean, isn't your body going to move? Your handcuffs, isn't your body going to move? Mm. That does not mean because there's movement that you are resisting. And David brought in the George Floyd thing about resisting. Mm-hmm. I never saw once where George Floyd was resisting. And I watched that case, and it pained my heart when the doctor explained, second by second, what was happening to George Floyd. Every movement his body was making, the doctor was explaining what was happening at that time. So much so that I can never watch that again. I couldn't watch this one fully either. Mm-hmm. Of course, I caught bits and pieces, but it terrifies me, I have to say. And I take this back now to this person coming in from Canada. This frightens me, I have to say. Mm-hmm. It's frightening. Because he was caught. But I'm wondering how many may have gotten through. Mm-hmm. What is the plan here? Mm-hmm. I mean, I ha- there are people who don't 
speak to me anymore mm-hmm. on Facebook or personally because I don't support Trump and I don't support what Trump stands for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I find this very frightening and more than what punishment he's going to get. I would like to know why he thought it necessary to bring these guns to the country and who is he associated with. Mm-hmm. All right, my dear. We never know what is coming next. And I think that should be the biggest concern to all of us. Yes, we want to know that you know, he gets equal punishment. But let's find out what the bigger picture is here. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I hope you feel better. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, folks, um, getting some live updates this morning um, from the court in relation to this and also the Renato Harris matter. Um, why the hell didn't you say? So listen to this. This is so funny. Somebody messaged me and says, oh, I have found Miss Roper's wallet and I don't have a number for her. Do you? And I was like, I said, Mrs. Roper? I said, I have Mr. Roper. Now I'm thinking Roper as in Roper, Caymanian, whatever. So I send them that Roper number. They're like, no, I met the governor's wife. She's on peace. Could you just not have said you found the wallet for the governor's wife? Stand by, honey child. I can get you that. Miss Roper, Madam Roper, um, your wallet has been found. <laughs> we are happy. CMR is happy to reunite you with your wallet through this honest and kind person. Um, let me see who's the best person in the governor's office. <laughs> that is so funny. When they said Roper, I mean, I wasn't thinking of Roper as in the governor. I was thinking of Roper as in, like, Roper. Everybody know Roper. That's too funny. All right, give me a second. I'll 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 get through to his office, chill, honey, chill. Uh, we got him on speed dial. Um, well, I don't have him on speed dial, but I have his people. I know people that know his people. Well, I'm sure she'll be happy about that. The governor's wife lost her wallet? Uh... Wow. Does it have any money in it? Did you look inside? I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, yep. You stand by, honey, chill. We'll get that sorted out here in a second. Okay. Let me see now. So we have um, a name for this individual. He's in summary court this morning. So unfortunately, there is not a live link. Uh Okay, there's not a live link um, for that, but I do have a name. So the first thing I want to know is who is this guy? And I'm sure all of you are curious to know who he is as well. We're looking for the link for Renato Harris because he's in court this morning. They're actually doing arguments. 
um, for, ugh, I don't know why these people keep harassing me. They're doing articles for, um, they are doing articles for arguments, my apologies, for um, the sentence that he should be getting. So let me just get that sorted. Good morning, caller. Howdy. Hello, Denny. Um, uh, you have um, displayed on your screen, guns aren't for everyone. There's a section of law that <clears throat> addresses that issue. It's section 21 of the firearms law. Of course, <clears throat> it's the contentious issue, um, one that I've argued with the courts and the commissioner about, which I still believe they have wrong because I think they take it much farther than what the law actually says. And no, guns are not for everyone. That's correct. And Section 21 is there so that the people who are um, not suitable can be weeded out. But the commissioner of police takes the view. The courts take the view. PAC government takes the view. Mm. that the commissioner of police can do whatever he wants to do. Now, if if it was true that the commissioner of police could do where, whatever he wanted to do, mm -hmm. then why would the section say, begin with subject toe? Mm -hmm. Right? You can't have an unlimited power that's subject to something. Right? It means it means that it's not as unlimited as he thinks it is. But of course, as as it is in many other areas of society, there are some people who don't have to struggle to argue their point. It's just supported just because of who they are. Mm -hmm. And others, no matter how much you point out that, well, the law doesn't actually say that. It's like they don't even look or care to look that the law doesn't actually say that because they have a different view. That's what the commissioner of police is doing. That's what the courts is doing. And that's what the PAC government is doing. It, it, it is one of the reasons why dealing with government is difficult mm. because, because governments sometimes do whatever they feel like doing, just like how they have decided to charge you which I think is wrong. It's an abuse of authority. <laughs> but when you are the authority, um, how do you get an upper hand? We need a legal system in which the court, which the government and, or, and, and members of the civil service or even MPs are restrained by the law to the same extent that you, for example, would be restrained by the law so that you are equal before the courts. And it's not that, the, the, that you have temporary judges who's looking for a position in Cayman and currying favor with the government and rule in the government's favor and all that kind of nonsense. Mm. That's the kind of garbage that's happening here in the Cayman Islands. We need to get rid of it. Mm. Okay. 
Thank you very much. So um, an exclusive here on CMR, we're going to go ahead and name the individual who's in court this morning for um, this firearm offense. His name is Anton Parijin, and apparently he's from Vancouver, British Columbia, CTO at Presscentric. I don't know what the hell Presscentric is. We can certainly find out. Sounds like it's um, IT software related. <clears throat> and it says here on his LinkedIn account that he's building a software solution that provides full business production cycle support for modern press shops. Oh, he works in the modern press shop. Hmm. Modern print shops, my apologies. Maybe he's coming to um, deal with the compass since they're canceling their print stuff. I'm just kidding. He's pissed off. So he's bringing all the weapons in to go deal with somebody over there. I don't know. Um, Anton is his name. Hmm. Well, he's on Twitter. He's on LinkedIn. He, let me see. A very unusual name, by the way. <coughs> Mind you, we have one that places him in... Almaty, Kazakhstan. Looks like it's the same guy. Uh, interestingly enough. Okay. Hmm. Alrighty then. Let's see what more we can find out. Let's see if he's on Facebook. Yes, there he is. Ah, interesting. We're viewing his profile right now. And kaboom, where's my kaboom button? Hold on. Kaboom! All right, y'all ready for this? You ready for this? So I had gotten a little tip. Mm, mm, mm. I tell y'all, nine times out of 10, the information that we receive is spot on. Oh, Lord. There you know. Somebody said to me the day that it happened that this dude is Russian. Remember I said that earlier today? Did I mention it today? I was like, is she Russian? And I even said to somebody else on Sunday, I'm hearing that he's Russian. Well, honey, chill. As it turns out, he actually is Russian. What a hot mess. Very, very interesting indeed. He's from Kabarovsk. I don't know if that's right. Russia. Why on earth? Well, he's living in Vancouver. Why on earth would he be trying to bring a firearm into this country? Only God knows. Very interesting, honey chill. I would love to know the backstory to this one. They say their investigations continue. Let us see then if this dude will get a slap on the wrist and be permitted to leave with a fine and try it again. His hometown is Russia. Bring some more ammunition into the country is, is what the philosophy is going to be here. Lord Jesus, please. Y'all got to do better than this. I'm just saying. Hmm. Oh, that's 
Anyway, um, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it, Anton. He seems to have more than one profile on Facebook. One is more active. From the same place, Russia. Huh. Okay, well, Detective Sandy's on the job now, so y'all leave it with me. Let me see what else I'm able to find out. Um, is, oh gosh, I think that, hold on a second now. Um, let me restart this. This um, I see you calling, but for some reason the app was kind of stuck. So, Miss Darlene, call me back, honey, chill. And it's going to be the last caller then for the day. What a heat. Yes, sir. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Hmm. Oh, you can't make this stuff up is all I can tell you. You legitimately cannot make this stuff up. Uh, uh, uh. My little fingers child is on it now. All right, let me go and do some further investigative work, y'all. Um, and I will let you know what more we find out. Okay, that's all I got for you. Stay tuned for the news. You guys have a fantastic day. Hello, I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz, and here's a summary of some of Cayman's latest headlines. Big Brothers Big Sisters of the Cayman Islands is planning to relaunch as a local, independent, non-profit organization focused on youth and young adult mentoring services. UCCI Board Chairman Gilbert McLean has been appointed as the Chairman of the National Roads Authority Board of Directors, replacing Alric Lindsay, who resigned last year. A well-known educator in the United States who was one of the first students to attend Triple C School, Mark A. Panton, passed away recently. Mr. Panton, who was born in Georgetown, Grand Cayman in 1931, was in Triple C's first graduating class of 1947. Now for your CMR weather update. It's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 7, a few early clouds, otherwise mostly sunny, with the temperatures at 83 degrees Fahrenheit and humidity at 71% like the forecast calls for. It will feel like it's in the mid to high 80s. Winds east at 10 to 20 miles per hour and the sun sets at 617. At nighttime, the temperature falls to the mid 70s. Looking forward, similar weather conditions are expected. If you would like to know more on any of these stories, visit caymanmallroad.com or follow Cayman Mall Road on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. That's it for now on The Daily Buzz. Thank you for joining me. Please stay safe and God bless.
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 